Hello and welcome to Pod People, the internet's newest spooky movie podcast. I'm your host, Matisse Van Rossum, and I am joined by Eugene Lundeen. So glad to be here. I wish I could say the feeling was mutual. And also, Ben Sheets. Am I here? Well, I don't see you. Is is anyone here (laughs) when you're online? Only on GeoCities. So this week, we're talking about the internet. Spooky cyberwebs. Don't click that link. Don't click it. There might be a ghost behind there. <laughs> it's all the wires. How are you supposed to flush the ghosts out when there are so many wires? Can you hear it? The internet is a series of tubes. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, oh, my God. We all know that. The internet's like one big water slide. Yeah. That's yeah. why it's so easy to get sucked into the dark web. Yeah, that's a shame you made that reference, because that reference is almost as old as some of the movies that we've checked out on this list. So uh. Before Facebook was even a thing. It was just something a serial killer had, pictures of his victims. We should probably... Wait, are you, are you telling me that Facebook hasn't always existed? Well, well hey, I gotta give you a history lesson, teach you about Facebook's creepy uncle, MySpace. What horror see, movie is see this See, the from? difference between Tom and Mark Zuckerberg is uh, Tom wants to be friends with everyone, and Mark Zuckerberg is too scared to be friends with everyone. <laughs> Yet he still wants to be fucking president. Ugh, Mark Zuckerberg running for president is true American hell. Hey, who's to say that he couldn't do a good job? I mean, wouldn't we all... Because then uh, we could probably fucking vote. fucking everyone that uses Facebook. We could vote on uh, elections through Facebook. Wouldn't that be great? He's then all, everyone would do it. He's already selling all of our information to the highest bidders anyway. That's Did you guys cool. see that video of him, like... VRing into Puerto Rico. Oh man, <laughs> he's he's like doing this like 360 VR thing. He's like uh, he like goes to tour like the the wreck of Puerto Rico. Oh Jesus Christ, he's like Donald Trump's uh, tech savvy nephew. <laughs> no, that's Baron Trump. <laughs> he's good at cyber, you guys. Elite hacker Baron Trump. Can you just imagine being in Puerto Rico? Your whole town has been devastated. There's no electricity, no water, nothing. And then a little Segway with an iPad attached to it runs over to you. And it's like, hey, I wish I could be handing you this loaf of bread. But man, do you look sad. The fucking video of Mark Zuckerberg going to Puerto Rico, quote unquote, going to Puerto Rico is gold, though. I hear that you could buy the Puerto Rico experience and then anyone with a VR headset can experience the devastated for how many dollars eugene tell us for at least one hundred dollars wow for only a hundred dollars i can experience uh, the devastation of puerto rico also uh, comes free with every uh galaxy s8 tell me more (laughs) oh god um well off of that tangent, we should uh, probably just jump into the news, I guess. Right, enough We're about this. We're already uh, topical enough here. Tell me about the news, Ben. Uh, let's talk about this uh, think piece that came out in the LA Times. Oh, yes, let's, let's uh, think on this piece. It's called, Has Horror Become the Movie Genre of the Trump Era? Oh, boy, and is it ever. 
a bad article. So basically, it's all about, you know, like, in the Trump era, is horror as a genre gaining cultural relevance? And they look at, you know, like, mainly its success. Like we talked about last episode, it being the highest grossing R-rated horror movie of all time. And like how Stephen King referenced Trump as Pennywise the president because Trump's a fucking brainworm clown. Well, they both have big foreheads and uh, and fake orange hair. And there's all these children going after. Right. As they put it, a bunch of uh, a delightful gang of minorities that have to try and overcome this force that used to be funny, but now has the worst intentions out for these kids. Even though this story was written in 1985. Which the article article references, and then they say it doesn't matter at all. Because, hey, if we can put our own meanings into it and project ourselves onto this movie that has nothing to do with that, I mean, that's our right as viewers, isn't it? To misinterpret? Yeah, well, I mean, you can interpret a movie however you want. My problem with this article is it's talking about horror being the genre of uh politics like that's a new thing when horror has been the genre of politics for basically as long as it's been a thing yeah horror is not the movie genre of the trump era any more than it's the movie genre of the reagan era or the nixon era yeah well you know i i do think it has an interesting context in the trump era i know they reference get out too and that being very race oriented and how that kind of reflects a lot of cultural elements of 2017 yeah i think that's spot on like i agree with that but i think that it still has a message outside of just the political environment that it's going for something deeper i think about human interactions and all that yeah i well i would agree i think a lot of times nowadays uh neoliberals want to connect everything to trump to be like hashtag resistance if the purge came out this year that would everyone would be going crazy about that everyone would be calling it this is what happens in trump's america or something of that sort but right but my point is they were doing the same thing with bush well that's kind of the interesting thing i i feel like movies have kind of reflected political times Always, yeah, that's what I'm saying. But, like, especially in trends, because you see after, like, 9-11, this huge pop in uh, torture porn and stuff. Oh, yeah. Like, justifying how fucking awful we treated Abu Jirab and waterboarding and all that shit. The whole Guantanamo uh, controversy and everything. Yeah, well, obviously, horror movies are about what people are afraid of. At any given time. And people are always freaked out by politics, no matter what side of the spectrum they're on. Somebody's always going to be freaked out about what's happening politically. And that shows itself in the horror movies of those like of those decades. Yeah. I think some of the greatest horror movies that have come out recently, they don't focus on politics. They try and focus on something smaller. I mean, you see it with like the Duke. It's about grief or it follows all about sexual abuse. And I think that because they tried to narrow their intentions to something like that, and even with Get Out to not try and make a grander political statement, that it succeeds on that level. Um, And I mean, I didn't find it particularly scary. So I think that's... Or particularly political, honestly. Yes. Oh, yeah. What do you think the reflection of our times is going to be in horror? Like, 
if you looked back 20 years from now, is it going to be like late stage capitalism tinged tour or is it going to be race related? What do you guys think? I think, that, well, there's definitely going to be uh, an aspect of race relations, especially with a movie like Get Out. And I think that we're going to start seeing uh, more movies like Get Out. And I think that's great. Yeah, um, I, th- I think it's good. I also think there's going to be, uh, it's really just going to be like the the society of fear itself, especially how, um, how Trump is using like fear to get everybody on his side, you know, um, that's really what this current season of American Horror Story has been about in a lot of ways. Uh, I know I said that it was bad on the last episode, but in the last couple of weeks, it's uh, it started winning me over, I must say. <laughs> well, and that's something that you can find even in films from the 70s and 80s, that cults, that these fanatics that detach from society, that's something that has always been uh, been a fear, I guess, in a lot of people, what happens when you run into these radicals that have amassed power, you find out that it's just much bigger yeah. than you would ever imagine. Well, it's, it's all about uh, reactionaries. Yeah. Something happens, some, uh, you know, demagogue will get out there, whip everybody into a fury, and before you know it, we've got that cultish mob mentality you know i think that's going to be to answer your question ben really what's indicative of horror uh of this generation 20 years from now well it's really interesting looking at like when conspiracy cult movies really popped off it was like during the nixon era and kind of during the reagan era Mm -hmm. which totally makes sense i mean which was really the first time uh the average american citizen didn't feel like they could trust the government you know, up until that point, everyone's like, oh, the government's looking out for your best interests. They're taking care of you. And it was the Nixon era and Vietnam. I think also the Cold just War. The, the whole free love era as well, when people felt like they could just drop out of normal society, live on communes. And then you see that with the Manson family, a lot of people knew of them that they were a traveling group and that because of their murders i think everyone just felt this fear that these people that did not trust modern society at that time were dangerous to modern society because they had no no connections to it no commitment to trying to keep the status quo well i do think the the article was kind of shitty i do think that horror is going to get a little more popular under the trump era because people need catharsis under uncertain times i agree so that totally makes sense to me i i don't really like how the article was going about it but i think they had a point I hope, i hope it means that we'll see uh more serious horror films uh and that will do away with some of the franchising that hollywood's been promoting the last i don't know decade or so like let's let's stop with all these insidious sequels the fucking conjuring sequels like let's honestly in a way i see the corporatization and franchising as kind of a reflection of the obama era like a lot of corporatization superheroes where there's a clear good and evil. Yeah. I mean, did you hear about that story where 
uh, Marvel was going to work with Northrop Grumand, the uh, defense contractors, to like to have a tie-in like comic book series with. So Marvel's going to start doing our propaganda now, is what? Well, you're I mean, they already are. They're just like taking away any veneer of <laughs> of not being propaganda. I mean, fucking look at Iron Man. He's a a billionaire who's saving us all. Well, like, yeah, he's an arms dealer. Or yeah. He, or he was before yeah. he became Iron yeah, Man. Yeah, because billionaire arms dealers aren't awful people in real life. <laughs> oh, well, if anybody's going to become Iron Man, it's a billionaire. It might as well be a likable dude like Robert Downey Jr., who totally <laughs> wasn't an alcoholic, terrible person for like a decade of his life. Well, see, that's why Iron Man isn't the superhero that we deserve or need. It's Batman. True, well, the other billionaire yeah, exactly. well, yeah, whose exactly. only superpower is being rich as fuck. Well, what yeah. what is well, his what is Wayne Enterprises do? What's like what's his <laughs> job? I mean, what does he control? I don't know. Nobody, how nobody knows. Uh, yeah, I don't know if that's ever really explored. At least in the Christopher Nolan movies, he uh, uh, runs uh, Comet Ping Pong. <laughs> oh. Well, I, in Batman Begins, there is some. Shit about uh, his Bruce Wayne's dad building the trains in the oh in the god so he's a railroad magnet yeah, I guess he's, yeah. he's a railway man let's forget about all the terrible things the railroad industry did well I think we should move on from this get a little less political yeah this is not a yeah we don't need to talk about it. I think welcome to part... our politics podcast no. <laughs> We'll link this article in the in the show notes, so uh, anybody who wants to check it out can. Um, before we move on, though, I, I do want to point out maybe the best reach in the article where they uh, compare the the alien monster in Life, which came out this year, to ISIS. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think that's a, a pretty wide reach, and that's it's gold. it's stuff like that indicates that this article is missing the point in a lot of ways. Um, but check it out uh, for yourself. Before we move on from news, should we uh, talk about the elephant in the room with Mr. Harvey hey. Weinstein? It's kind of a, an uncomfortable topic. Well, the Academy Award winning elephant in the room. Yeah. Ugh. Big big surprise. One of the richest men in Hollywood is a total fucking scumbag. Right? Like, like this shouldn't surprise anyone. Like fat, bloated, coked out. Old Hollywood executives are creepy. Like, obviously, they're doing shit like this. I mean, it shouldn't, like, normalize what he's doing or make it okay. Obviously, it's awful. But we shouldn't be surprised by this. I'm sure the majority of fucking... No, and that's the problem. Caviar-eating Hollywood executives fucking do this. Well, that's the issue, is that, like, there's there's definitely so many other people in Hollywood doing this. And this whole Weinstein thing is not going to do anything if Hollywood doesn't work to get the rest of the sexual predators out. Right, so, I think the biggest thing is that if you're a scumbag who gains power, you're going to keep doing these scumbag things with impunity. And if there's anything that can come out of this Harvey Weinstein thing that's good is hopefully this shows a lot of other elite out there, not just in Hollywood and anyone in that position to abuse power, just hopefully they can't get away with it hopefully for if too it does, long. If it does anything, it will make people more willing to speak out against yeah. these kinds of things because... 
Because oh, yeah. that's what it's going to take because obviously these people get to do what they do for years with impunity because nobody wants to stand up to them because they're afraid. So Ho- hopefully it means people will listen when people yes. speak out. Oh my too, God. You know? As it's crazy so- as Corey Feldman is, like <laughs> he's been fucking speaking out for decades about how he was molested as right. a child. Well, I think, it's, I think it's because Corey Feldman is crazy that nobody's yeah. been listening to him. But yeah, like for real, if, if somebody says they've been sexually abused, why is it everybody's first instinct to try to disprove that? My uh, favorite article about the Harvey Weinstein stuff was there was a an article about Woody Allen being like, I don't want this to turn into a witch hunt. And it's like, oh, yeah, I know why you don't want this to turn into a witch hunt. <laughs> You guys, I feel bad for Harvey Weinstein. Let's not turn this into a witch hunt. God forbid. I would I would really hate for somebody to notice that I've been molesting my daughter for all these years. Right. Please just let's keep it to Harvey Weinstein. Me, Roman Polanski, and Bill Cosby are all just disgusted by this. This is he did. A, this is a witch hunt. Right? That's the thing about the uh Academy taking uh Harvey Weinstein out of their committee or whatever. Roman Polanski, Bill Cosby, and Mel Gibson are still a part of it. They haven't been blacklisted yet. Yeah, what's the like, deal with that? Hollywood is garbage. Hollywood is fucking garbage. I think we can all agree with that. Well, right. we should move on. Yes. Uh let's get into So reviews. Donald Trump called the- <laughs> Who's the president of the Virgin Islands, Donald Trump? You tell me that. Okay, nope, nope, let's keep on going. Let's go on to the movies. Internet horror. We're here to talk about ghosts in the machines, about spirits haunting your smartphones. So, the first movie on our list will be starting off with you, Matisse. So why don't you take it away? All right, so uh, the first movie we're going to be talking about this week is the new film Friend Request. New-ish? New-ish. Yeah. New U.S. release. New U.S. release, yeah. It it, it was released uh, in 2016 internationally. It's a German film. Yes, a German film directed by Simon Verhoeven, no relation to Paul Verhoeven. And um, I believe it. The entire thing was filmed in South Africa, and but using all American actors, so it's weird. Would but- this be accidental nepotism? <laughs> like people think, like he's related to Paul Verhoeven. And give oh, him a definitely, deal. definitely. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, let's go see this. It's gonna be like RoboCop too, but on Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> A basic summary of this film is um, this young, popular college girl. She's got, like, 900 Facebook friends or something like that. She takes pity on, like, the weird goth girl and decides to be her only friend on Facebook. The outcast chick uh, then becomes extremely clingy and weird, and uh, due to peer pressure from some of her friends, our protagonist unfriends her which then causes her to kill herself and place a black magic curse on our heroine which causes her to lose a bunch of friends on facebook and the and the curse is spread through black mirrors yeah we'll we'll get we'll get into that yeah okay so let's just kind of go through it 
Let's start off with that intro. Oh my god. This movie, I think this movie was basically just one big ad for Facebook. Yeah, it's like how Suicide Squad was cut by a trailer company. This feels like it was done by an advertising company. The yeah. opening of this film is just so sleek and feels just like a Facebook ad. You're, you're left wondering if you're watching this on basic cable and the commercials came on. Yeah, we get this really lengthy opening montage that you would expect that they'd put the cr- opening credits credits over no credits, um, but though. there's no credits no it's uh basically just to show how popular this girl is on facebook i don't even remember this character's name do you guys remember uh i want to uh, s- uh, uh, yeah basically uh, <laughs> to imdb we go true laura okay that's i thought yeah. it was Laura. i thought that was the name of the creepy girl though what was Oh, no, that's an Unfriended. Her name's Laura. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, this whole opening montage is basically just to show how popular Laura is on Facebook. It's just a montage of her liking people's statuses and posting pictures and videos. And look at how popular and great her life is. She has so many friends. Well, okay, before that, too, uh, it starts with, like, this professor being, like, Someone in your class killed herself. Don't oh, yes. spread it on yeah, our university website. She or, filmed it. Don't don't share the suicide video, you guys. Yeah, don't share it on our university website. Right, when you check out the link, please don't press the share button. <laughs> Uh, but the girl has, like, 800 friends, and it's a big deal or something. I don't have anywhere near 800 friends. Oh, me neither, but I'm not guys. popular, so it's... Whoever directed this thinks millennials, like, live on Facebook. That's what I got from this movie, too. Like, this movie was definitely made by somebody who doesn't use social media and who just thinks this is how people use social media it's very patronizing yeah. uh towards young people i yeah. will i will definitely say that yeah it makes the assumption that all millennials are totally consumed by facebook and nothing else well we cut from this long intro where the opening credits should be to this like cat video and it goes on for like a minute and at the end of it there's like a jump scare oh, in the, the cat worst. video and it happens so early in the film, you know you're in for a bad time. It's like if a bolt fell off of a roller coaster you're about to go on. It's not gonna go well. Yeah, I can it's laugh like, my ass off. It's like when they were when they were writing this movie, they sat down and they were like, Okay guys, what are some main bullet points uh about the internet? Uh Facebook? Okay, yeah, check. Uh cat videos, double check. Cat video jump scares? Triple check. Anonymous hacker, dude. I don't know about you guys, but I'm pretty sure, like, there hasn't been that craze of, like, jump scare YouTube videos since, like, 2003. R.I.P. those years. Good God. Yeah, well, fucking good riddance. Yeah, seriously. Yeah, so all these people are in college, even though they look like they're all in their 30s. Yeah, there was one chick. I kept thinking she was the mom of the main character. <laughs> was it but... Was it her uh, her blonde friend? Yeah, because she she's got wrinkles, like crow's feet and shit, and it's like, sure, you know, I'm not trying to, like, call her old or anything, but she can't no, play a college student well at all none of these none of these people looked like they were in college like that's that's the main thing they all looked like they were in their early to mid 30s but anyways this girl marina like messages the popular girl asking to be friends with her 
before she friend requests her. Yeah, who does that? Yeah, just send a just send a fucking friend request. Yeah, don't be like, hey, can I? Is it cool if I send you a friend request? Yeah, and then uh, once she accepts the friend request, she like looks at her wall of creepy aesthetic gifts or whatever. Yeah, and they're all just like she's posting them to herself since she has no. Yeah, she has she friends. has no friends. She's just sharing all of this like super uh, emo aesthetic uh, deviant art bullshit that as they scroll through gets progressively like creepier and creepier and edgier and edgier she seems like she would visit hot topic a lot oh yeah this is such a fucking uh garbage display of uh of what popularity is and that the unpopular girl must be goth there must be something wrong with her she has emotional disorders that's why she doesn't have friends she posts all this edgy shit well and that's the thing too i i never felt any sympathy for marina right because she's totally just a cyber stalker they yeah, actually she's terrible she's laura is totally in the right to like ghost her they yeah, actually try to make as fuck laura very sympathetic and she goes out of her way to talk to this girl and then she ends up just being a fucking weirdo yeah, at and then some this point. Girl's a, yeah she's a fucking weirdo and then it's like oh she, laura's being punished because she unfriended her and it's like but she didn't cyber bully her or anything she just didn't invite her to her birthday party and then posted pictures of her birthday birthday party on facebook like that's that's the yeah. only slightly assholeish thing she did but now she's supposed to be getting punished with well on black top of magic. that marina fucking confronted her in front of everyone in the cafeteria and started like screaming at her yeah like it like a totally crazy person like, like i where bitch i don't even know you <laughs> yeah, why are we supposed to have sympathy for this chick you know yeah, have I, you ever just you've had that person in high school or and they seem to just latch on to you and hey that's 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 great it's always nice to be friends with someone but then they begin to get too close and they always message you and they don't really leave you alone because they're so obsessed with being around you that well you don't want to be the dick in that situation but that's not what normal people do you have to let everyone have some space and so if you write a character that is just i mean she photoshops her face onto a picture with laura and at that yeah. point i and would so, call the police so, on somebody yeah that's weird as shit and also like they basically ripped this entire premise from the fucking uh facebook episode of south park that came out like six years ago oh god yeah. you're right yeah where yeah. like the the one kid has zero friends on on Facebook and so Kyle pities him and friends him and then the kid becomes obsessed and then Kyle starts losing friend stock because he's friends with the unpopular kid that is this movie right because except instead of her losing friends because the chick is unpopular it's because the chick is a witch and has cursed her well she cursed her by having the most excessive suicide she hangs herself and then sets herself on fire. Which we learn later is part of a ritual that if you hang yourself and set yourself on fire in front of a black mirror at the same time, then you'll become like a wasp demon or something. And the black mirror is her laptop because that's such a new original idea. Yeah, right. not, not, not at all the entire premise of the show Black Mirror. Yeah, that's... 
That's why they titled it. That's that. why it's called Black Mirror, because when your phone or your computer is off, it's a reflective black surface. And this movie is a fucking hot mess. I barely even remember the way that, like, this chick ends up cursed. It's like she posts the suicide video onto her Facebook and, like, people who watch it then Well, yeah, uh, she posts it on Laura's page as Laura. right. And tags all of her friends. That's right. And that's right. every time she tries to delete it, it says, like, unknown air. Unknown fucking air. They were that originally the going to title this movie Unknown Air, but they thought it would be too close to Unfriended, which we'll talk about in a it's little bit. It's the only but. conflict in this film. They couldn't manufacture any other way that they couldn't get rid of this ghost. Just every time they try and unfriend it, it's an unknown error. Yeah, it's like... and. They can't delete their Facebook accounts either because unknown error. Just fucking turn off your computer. Yeah. Throw your phone out the fucking window. Do something like that. I love but, how... But like, know you guys because millennials are so attached to their devices that they would sooner get cursed by a witch <laughs> than just get rid of their phones. Yeah, like the cyber ghost like keeps posting fucked up shit on her page. Every time one of her friends dies, it takes a video of it and posts it to Lara's page. Yeah. And so she continually is losing friends because obviously people are like, why are you posting these suicide videos? She gets like suspended because of it. Yeah. Because her dean is like, you gotta stop posting all these live leak videos. It's kind of fucked up. And then she's the... like, oh no, it's not me. It's the ghost. Yeah, the... it's the ghost. <laughs> she the... even calls Facebook at one point and is like, yo, delete my account already. And they're like, oh, we can't do that. We're gonna we, we sell too much here. ads with your information. <laughs> we try to delete your account. We keep getting this unknown error i don't know anything i work for facebook but i don't know anything about that do you happen to know a witch that committed a ritual in front of a laptop you might be having these problems because of that every time they would post one of those videos to facebook i kept hoping it would be captioned with something like smash that motherfucking like because that would be <laughs> way more accurate <laughs> to the internet oh, yeah. they hey, couldn't even try and have a look at this chick who killed herself smash that motherfucking like yeah, certainly it's it's missing enough of a sense of humor to make it... Uh... It's it's completely devoid of humor. Were there any memes in any of these movies? I'm trying to think. Oh, well, there were, there, were yeah, meme, yeah, yeah. there were memes in Unfriended. Yeah, we'll yeah, get to which, that. Yeah, but okay. No there, were no, there were no memes in Friend Request that I can recall. Um, I think that's one of its, uh, its, its biggest <laughs> downfalls. Yeah. There I, was that... The detectives. The worst detectives I think oh, I've ever God. seen in a horror movie. These guys guys were so incompetent and awful and they're interviewing Laura and she's telling them how someone else is doing this on her account they're like oh, it's it's really strange how you got that elevator footage how did you get that of your friend dying yeah exactly yeah. one of so, her friends killed himself in an elevator and it's like the security camera footage that's posted and they're like you're a you're a college student you shouldn't have access to that elevator security footage well I, obviously, yeah, she doesn't because it's a fucking yeah. ghost. It's, yeah. All of the kills are like they get chased by wasps, and then there's these wasp kids who are like have like fucked up faces. Oh, yeah, right. just because they've been stung by, by a lot of so wasps much, many times. 
<laughs> yeah, that was another thing. Like, why why were there wasps in this movie? We didn't get any sort of explanation other than, oh, black wasps are associated with evil and the devil, and that's and that's it. But hey, they're... I mean, people hate wasps. Yeah, like white Anglo-Saxon <laughs> Protestants. The fat girl is in the hospital, and then she like starts hallucinating and seeing uh, like herself. Right? Yeah, they always, like, see themselves killing themselves or Yeah, something. and then she, like, this kills herself so in front of the cops. <laughs> and the cops just... Because, like... Well, she takes one of their guns! Yeah. Oh, she God. Takes, she takes one of their guns, Because and... these cops are the worst. Like, yeah, he's having some conversation about eating, like, fucking spaghetti or some shit. <laughs> no, 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 no chi- Chinese food. Chinese he's on the, food. He's on the phone with his wife or something like that, and she just walks up and takes his fucking gun and shoots herself. Like, these cops are so fucking incompetent. Yeah, that detective, yeah. Like, oh, oh, I'm getting fired, oh, fuck. Uh, this oh. is a bunch of paperwork. <laughs> <laughs> so, I, I guess the extremely loose plot of this movie is Laura trying to figure out a way to break the curse, and of course, she has to then do investigation into who Marina is and her past. And of course, she was born in some sort of a satanic witch cult with asylum. The help, with the help of, for some reason, her hacker friend who's well, got a crush and then her not hacker boyfriend who looks like he works at a surf shop or something. Yeah, yeah, and who has the largest, nicest apartment that any college student has ever, ever had. Yeah, like it's a penthouse yeah, that she's like, living he, in. Yeah, <laughs> like this, any college student could ever afford that. That's overlooking like the ocean or whatever. It, yeah, it's that hey, beautiful. If you're rich in South Africa and white. <laughs> no, no, it's the Californian ocean. So oh, yeah. Beautiful, <laughs> yeah. sunny California there. Well, yeah, it's, it's supposed to, of course, take place in California, but it looks very much like africa the whole time i'm like who are they trying to fool there's there's even like people driving on the wrong side of the road (laughs) when they're driving through the brush to get to the asylum but we should go back to the hacker boyfriend for a second not the 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 hacker boyfriend the hacker friend friend, who wants to be the boyfriend uh they go to the asylum whose name his name is kobe yeah that's important to and uh So they go to the asylum, and they're trying to find Marina's laptop, because apparently if you find it, you can undo the curse? If you find and break the original Black Mirror. Hacker Man, he uh, looks into a mirror and gets spooked, and he just fucking stabs Laura in the stomach. Right in the fucking gut. And it's just totally brushed off. Like, it's not a big deal at all that she was stabbed in the stomach. Yeah, there's no suspense. She's fine. Yeah, she's totally fine with it. Minutes later, she's, like, running. And it's like, yeah, she's holding her side, but she's not losing a lot of blood. She's not, like, going into shock or anything like that. She's just been stabbed in the gut. And she's super good at doing stuff with that stab wound. And then right after that, she figures out, like, where Marina killed herself and where her laptop is. So she hails a cab, and she's got she's got a stab wound, and she's just, like, sitting in the back seat. And dude's like, um, are you sure you don't want me to take you to the hospital? <laughs> yeah, he even says, and it gets the, he's like, hey, affair's a fair. The yeah, only like, voice oh. of reason in this movie. And he's just like, she's like, no, take me to the abandoned building. Yeah, take me to the abandoned steel mill. <laughs> 
See, we missed the part when she called the Lyft driver, and the Lyft driver's like, no, 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 no. Well, as somebody who does drive for Lyft occasionally, I wouldn't want somebody with a stab wound in my car. Do you know how hard blood is to get out of upholstery? Yeah, I would have loved a little more development on that. The taxi driver, like, are you sure you want to go to a steel mill? Okay, they better have Band-Aids or something at this place, because I don't know if you're going to last very long. But, of course... She's still fine because she's got to finish up this god-awful movie. Yeah. And her boyfriend, who's looking for... Because he's just super jealous of this scrawny little, like... like the, the neckbeardness. Yeah, well, that like, hacker like, dude isn't, like, competition for this guy, uh, hey, but he gets hey, upset. Hey, use his name. It's Kobe. You're right. <laughs> You're right. I'm sorry. That's like, the like reason fucking, why, though. Like, fucking Kobe Bryant. Um, <laughs> you bring up a good point. Like, the the boyfriend obviously knows, like, there's some, like, weird supernatural shit going on here, yet every time Laura, like, uh, seeks help from Kobe, who is, uh, of course, the token tech-savvy hacker character, uh, her boyfriend's always just like, Oh, you're hanging out with Kobe? It's like, bitch, there's some fucking spooky-ass shit going on. Like, why Our are, friends are dying our around are, us. Our friends are literally being killed by a wasp witch. Like, you should not be concerned about your girlfriend cheating on you, because I think that's probably the farthest thing from her mind as well. So Before we wrap up this movie, can we talk about the kind of cyclical ending? Oh, How garbage it was. the worst part of you it. You know, I'm going to be honest, until you brought it up just now, I had forgotten gotten it. That's how bad it is. I blocked it out almost immediately. Yeah, Ben, why don't you, uh, okay, why don't so, you explain that? Uh, she loses all her friends. Yeah, she goes down to having zero friends. Yeah, all um, because all of them die or unfriend her because she's a fucking creep sharing live leak videos and stuff. It cuts forward and she's at like another college and she's the one wearing a hoodie and being all hot topic emo and trying to gain friends. On yeah, Facebook. it's like it's like the curse has been passed on, transferred. Yeah, Tra- yeah. It's like now she's the unpopular one who's a witch or something. It doesn't make any sense. There's literally nothing in the entire movie before that to suggest that this is the way that it will work or that it has happened before because it hasn't. Because we find out that Marina was like born into a cult or something. It's not like she used to be popular and had this transferred to her by somebody else who was unpopular on Facebook. Like, I, this just did not make any sense to no. me at all. No. Right, because then all the reasons, uh, backstory why this girl became the girl that she was just is thrown out the window. Just, or, oh no, it's some sort of curse that just gets passed on. Or The curse, of, uh, the curse of unpopularity. Oh, yes. <laughs> That's another thing that I found really patronizing about this movie. It's like the idea that if you're not popular, then you're automatically a fucking creep weirdo right you know? like, like just plays into the world is connected to the amount of to Facebook the number of friends yeah. you have oh yeah yeah it's such fucking horseshit i guess the last bad thing that we can talk about is uh about halfway through the movie laura fi- figures out what marina's real name is or <laughs> oh something. jesus and her yeah. last name is uh nedifar N-E-D-I-F-A-R. Which is too dumb of a name to not mean something well, else. right. As soon as I heard it, I'm like, well, that's not a real... That's definitely <laughs> not a real name. So, like, what's what's the deal with that? Turns out it's an anagram for a friend. 
<laughs> they should have just made it really long and making an anagram for friend request. Uh, that's what they. I, that's what What's they an done. anagram for a fucking Facebook creep? <laughs> <laughs> What's an anagram for this is a really bad fucking movie? <laughs> All right. Um, do you guys garbage. do you guys have anything else you want to talk about about this really really shitty movie? God, not really. This is this is an upsetting episode because I think we have to sift through a lot of trash. But, yeah, I think, uh, unlike some of the movies last episode, we're really, really all on the same page about this one. Um, this, this movie fucking sucks. Yeah. Like, yeah. don't, don't waste your time with this one. Um, should we give it a rating? Oh, yes. Yeah. Yes, of course. Let's start with you, Eugene. Well, I think because it has humor in it, unlike some of the other films that I think that we're covering in uh, this episode. So I'm going to give it one star because I think if you're looking for just a dumb, shallow film where stupid teenagers die and... Stupid 30-year-olds who are playing teenagers. Right. Uh, you don't really care about backstory and you don't care about anything really making sense, then hey, watch this movie. I would very loosely call this movie a narrative. There's not a whole lot of story to it and it, the story that is there doesn't make a fucking lick of sense. Um, I'm going to agree with you. I'm going to give it one out of five pods. Um, that one is basically just for the laughs that we got at some of the really stupid shit that happens in this movie. Um, I'm going to give this a... Oh, man, I'm so on the fence. Speak from the heart, Ben. At first, I was going to rate it one star or one pod because it's god-awful. But I think... No, you know what? I'll just rate it one pod <laughs> out of five. It was pretty shitty. All right. It was entertaining at times. Because we were just roasting it the whole time oh, we yes. were watching yeah. it. Which, hey, that I mean, justifiably, it right. I think we spent, got off. I think we spent more time roasting this movie than actually listening to dialogue in this shit. So, solid oh, 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 I do remember the, the really good one is once they figure out that all of this shit is happening because of the witch chick... Uh, the the oldest looking friend says, "Unfriend that dead bitch." <laughs> <laughs> oh fuck! That's a solid round. Solid one. One out of around. five from all of us. Uh, this movie fucking sucks. <laughs> yeah. Goddamn. <laughs> let's so, uh, move on to uh, our second movie. Yes, let's. Which, so uh, what we know of Friend Request is that it was supposed to be a remake of Unfriended. And to take us over there on that journey, we got Ben. Okay, so Unfriended is all about this girl, uh, Laura. What was her last Barnes? name? I, I always want to say Palmer. But that's just, <laughs> that's just one thing. I think it's Laura uh, Barnes. Laura Barnes, yeah, yeah, that's right. She ended up committing suicide after an embarrassing video of her drunk uh, shitting her pants leaked onto uh, social media. And it's a year after she killed herself. This group of friends, high school like seniors, are hanging out on Skype, and the ghost of Laura Barnes appears in their Skype hangout and won't disappear. And and slowly, Laura takes revenge on this group of teenagers who kind of caused her suicide. The whole movie is on a single computer in real time, in like a single take. And it's mainly this... What's the main girl's name? Blair, I Blair, think. Yeah. 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 Uh, Blair, yeah. Blair is on this computer and she's uh, Skyping her 
boyfriend and then a, her group of friends, and they're just kind of hanging out. They they use the internet really interestingly in this movie. I think they use it pretty realistically for the most part. It starts off with a live leak video of Laura killing herself, mm-hmm. which is totally where you'd find suicide videos. If anywhere, yeah, it would be on fucking live leak. Like, I know they have to do the setup, but I did find it a little bit weird that this girl who claimed to be, like, one of Laura's best friends from, like, when they were little was watching a video of her commit suicide. On I agree. The, on the yeah. anniversary of her death. Like, that seemed a little unrealistic. I would definitely never watch a video yeah. of somebody that i cared about committing suicide i just justified yeah. that as like guilt she felt guilty yeah about i it. i guess that's i guess that's possible but she was doing it like right before like having skype sex so i think that like that's a weird that wouldn't turn me on yeah um should we kind of go over all of the friends oh god i guess yeah yeah, I think so. so. Uh, well, we got our our favorite. We got Kevin. Ken. The, Ken. Oh, Ken. Ken. And wow. I guess he really the, is my favorite, huh? He's, <laughs> he's the token fat friend in this movie. He's the fat stoner who makes dick and butt jokes. <laughs> the problem is jokes. he's really the only one that is entertaining because all the others have to sort of be the straight ones, the ones that are scared and spooked out. He's just the one taking it like, hey, fuck it. Well, they're all the worst, too. (laughs) Yes. As the movie goes, they really show themselves to be just awful people. Yeah. Well, you have Blair's boyfriend who, like, intros himself by, like, telling her to take off her clothes by pointing a knife at his camera. Um, And then you have her atomic blonde, ditzy friend... Jess? Jess, yeah. Jess, was that? Oh, y'all remember that? It's just the worst. Um, You have their other friend who... I think he's supposed to... He's supposed to be the boyfriend's best friend? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Charlie? Adam. Adam, Adam. yeah, I think so. Adam. I was thinking Charlie. (laughs) Um, And and then... uh, And then you have the one girl that comes into the Skype chat that everyone is shitting on the whole time. Yeah, what's which, her name? Uh, Val. Val, yeah. Val. How do you guys remember these? It's just Eugene names. remembering all the names. Honestly, <laughs> it's, a, it's a small cast, thankfully, and they say their names over and over again. Yeah, like, I had they forgot. Really I remembered Blair. Yeah, Clearly, the fact the that I remember does not mean I enjoyed the movie. So, Ken is. Not the first one to die, but the second one, right? Yeah. Because yeah. Val, Val dies first. Val's the first one. Which right. I thought that scene was pretty well done. Like, she's just, like, staring into her camera, and everyone thinks it's just frozen. And then you see her phone kind of move, vibrating on the table, and you realize something's yeah. super wrong. Yeah, well, they certainly they try and do some pretty interesting things with the idea. I mean, she goes on to a some forum about ghosts, like, oh, is there a ghost contacting me? And you can see some banners, and they're all things like "Who's following me?" or "Escape." And so, I think those are those are pretty clever things to put in. Just yeah. for the most part, I feel like this movie understands the internet. And if you're gonna make a modern horror about the internet and utilizing the internet, I think this one did a pretty good job with it. I think it, you know, sure it understands the internet and websites and all, but I still, it does not understand teenagers at all. And I think that's just the problem of any screenwriter out there that's too old to be doing it. I think it definitely did a better job understanding the way teenagers are on the internet 
than friend requests. Than friend yeah. requests, sure. Yeah. But it's a very low bar to set for unfriended. It but certainly... definitely understood the medium. Oh, yes. yeah. You know, uh, I really like the typing where it, she'll like type something and then kind of delete it or rephrase it. And it kind of shows, you know, like how people... You you convey someone's thoughts without right, showing without, people. Yeah, and I thought that was super interesting to show some conflict, and we we see it a couple of times. It gives us indications that there's stuff about her and her relationship with Laura that we or that that we don't fully understand yet. It gives some uh, subtle little clues as to what's going on. Right. Well, I think besides that one point, it doesn't really reveal too much of anything. It's just a one of those character things that just adds on to the to the realism it's, of the film, I guess you could say. Yeah, well, the Blair since it's all coming it's all from the perspective of her computer, like she's really the protagonist, so it definitely uh is a good way of characterizing her a little bit more, giving us a little bit more insight into uh what she's thinking and feeling and who she is and at least for most of the movie she definitely seems like the least shitty out of all of these people until they start playing five fingers never have i ever yeah oh, God. and um, then it's just revealed that everyone in that friend group is just the worst human being and right. totally deserve it well we should uh we should provide some context for okay, people sure. who haven't seen this movie essentially uh the conflict is that once uh laura's ghost starts essentially fucking with them she is basically revealing their dirtiest secrets to each other and to other people online. It starts with uh, her posting um, a bunch of pictures of Val super hammered at a party. Like uh, smoking a bong. Like smoking a bong and shit, but she posts it through each of the friends' Facebook accounts. It's like, okay, they go to delete it, and it pops up from another one of their accounts. So already better than friend requests. It's like, I I just can't delete it. Unknown error. I, I just can't do it. It's definitely more of a creative workaround so as, as it goes on it it picks up speed and laura's ghost is uh is essentially trying to turn this group of friends against each other by revealing to them the super duper shitty things that they've done to each other in the past which are dramatic to say the least yeah player's boyfriend ratted their friend out for selling weed right yep and the girl Jess stole $800 from the same dude who got the cops called on him, so already it seems like they, they have it out for Adam. Yeah, and then Blair, like, crashed Jess's mom's car or something yeah. and right. got her and, and wouldn't fess up to it. Blair drunkenly slept with Adam yep. uh, multiple times. Oh, multiple yeah, times. it was an accident, though, so... Oh, yeah, accidentally fell on his dick. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so essentially... Why this... would they put banana peels in the shower? <laughs> These people are all just super shitty. Like, I I don't know why they're friends in the first place. And because... that's that's sort of the, the big problem, I think, that begins to arise in Unfriended that... I mean, you you always have to make these sort of characters a little unlikable so that you don't feel bad when they die, that you're waiting for it to happen. But right, like it's their, it's their comeuppance. And it's I almost think, like they're superhumanly awful, all of these people. I do think some of that stuff was a bit overdramatic. Oh, yeah. Like, who, why, why the fuck are these, like, high school students uh, ratting on each other to the cops and, like, stealing 
$800 from each other. Yeah, these people are, are a little over the top in how terrible they are. Yeah. But at least it makes you feel not so bad when they die. Unlike in Friend Request, where all of these people are dying for no reason. They yeah. haven't they haven't done shit wrong other than that they're they're just like yeah. popular and kind of bitchy. Right. Which I you did, could tell oh. was certainly something that the director probably tried to, to fix. Maybe he didn't like how cartoony all of the people got near the end of that, but he just, he goes too far with it in friend request, and then they're all too sympathetic, and so you wonder why they're dying. Yeah, the there's a point during the Five Fingers game where you have to ask, you know, why are these people friends with each other? Right, they're geez. the worst to right. each other. Although, why was Ken a douche? What was his problem? Because he died before they started playing that game. Like, what did Ken do that was so bad? I don't hashtag think he did. Ken oh, did I think he just... Wrong. Hashtag, hashtag Ken did nothing wrong. That's he just bad. called Laura, like, a bitch or something before everything happened. And see, I think one problem is, sure, they have a good understanding of the websites they're using, and they try and make it all, like, as if it were a natural progression on these sites, but... That. There are some questionable things, and they 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 they're like glaring holes in the 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 way everything plays out. There's a point when she shares her screen and she never turns it off. And she never, yeah, and she never she's messaging off. her boyfriend about things in the chat, and it's just it's never mentioned again. It's and as also, if it just turned off on its own. One thing that I thought was weird that never explained was whenever she like pulls up her instant messenger page and she's talking to somebody, like all the rest of the sound on her computer is muted. Only sometimes. Only though. sometimes though. When like, it's convenient. We like, we exactly. see, we see the other people in the background, like still talking on Skype, but we don't hear them at all. And it does that sometimes. And then other times not. And it, that's never really explained. And it's it just, sloppy it feels that that did feel sloppy i noticed that too it definitely it takes you out of it it's that's it breaks your suspension of disbelief a little bit i feel like the fact that it's all on one screen that they don't move any locations that they have control of everything that happens in this movie it really feels lazy that they had those glaring holes they didn't bother to go over when they had the freedom to do whatever they wanted with the characters, with the way they shot it. It just seems like a not really a missed opportunity, squandered, I guess I'd say, because if they had been able to just pick up on those, it would be a much tighter film. Right, like they were going in the right direction, but they it, they took like some half measures. They didn't quite take it all the way where it needed to be. And then, you know, there were just some other, some other just like little weird things that took me out. Like the fact that she keeps going to Spotify and playing music while she's talking to people which is another it's just a lame workaround to have a soundtrack in the movie and make it diegetic and it's it felt very forced yeah one of my favorite scenes this was spotify though when the liar song starts playing oh yeah oh yeah the ghost takes control of her and makes a playlist of like the same liar song like 200 times yeah, yeah, she can't turn it off. That's quality shit posting. That was quality. Oh, and well, we can't forget the the memes the ghost makes as well. Oh yeah, the ghost is like meme master, just like whipping memes up, no problem. Like yeah. at the point where, uh, for additional context, when these people die, the ghost like possesses them and forces them to kill themselves. Like Ken sticks his blender, his, his blender like under his jaw that he conveniently has sitting next to his computer. I don't right. know why he keeps the blender. He's there. making salsa. He's making salsa. <laughs> making salsa. Um, and then later on, when Jess 
kills herself by like shoving her uh hair curler her her curling iron like down her throat and then immediately the ghost takes a screenshot of that and does like one of those bottom text memes it's like she finally shut the fuck up or stfu <laughs> and i lost it i was laughing so hard and there's Fucking also meme master ghost the pictures cuz we find out about halfway through the movie that Blair, who has said that she's a virgin to her boyfriend, it's found out that she slept with with Adam and the files that are sent, they have names like, he touch you good. (laughs) I I, I actually wrote a couple of those down because that is good. Uh, There was not boyfriend (laughs) JPEG and then also he touch JPEG. (laughs) He touch. He touch. He touch touch good. Not boyfriend. He touch. He yeah. gave that a poke. <laughs> One of the a real shit posting. It definitely is a teenage ghost. So right, and so I, I think they got. I think they got that right. And like <laughs> they they did a pretty a pretty decent job. I think with uh, writing realistically teenage characters. Eh, I didn't feel the same way. I felt that they they just sort of devolved down to any other normal obnoxious teenager you'd find in any horror film. I'm what- I didn't find them particularly special or realistic do you guys know how much of this uh movie was improvised dialogue i feel like there's i feel like it was pretty a pretty good amount because uh i know that they they had a script that they ran through i imagine they probably changed it up for certain scenes when they shot it if they felt because again they should have the freedom to do it any way they want with this this, setup the the movie shot in in one take. I've read on IMDb that they uh, improved all of the five finger game. Really? Yeah. Okay. Which is interesting. Well, that would explain why there's so balls to the walls. I yeah. mean, that's that's a point when you shouldn't really let it all to the improv because they're going to come up with shit that's so unrealistic that they might see as intense that just sort of comes off as fake. If if that scene really was improvised, I guess it. It's maybe more forgivable yeah. that they go so. I, I can reach. only I can only assume that a fair amount of this movie was uh, was improvised. Yeah, I mean the the acting's not great, but it's it's definitely better than Friend Request. I think. Yes, again, a very low bar. Lo- yeah, super yeah. low bar. It doesn't it doesn't take much to beat Friend Request. There's some really weird, ridiculous stuff like when uh, when Adam gets out his gun and starts pointing it at the computer. Right. <laughs> yeah. Like, like yeah. when shit's like when shit's going down, like he's gonna fucking shoot the ghost out of his Facebook. What do you think would happen if they just all turn their computers off? Well, right, that's <laughs> that's the obvious thing. Like, why couldn't they just all? Because at a certain point, they're like, okay, well, we're all just gonna hang up, and the ghost's like, don't hang up. But why? why well, not? then you see why when because Mitch, you know, being the fat one, he has to be the smartest. So. Ken, Ken, oh, Ken oh, did shit. nothing wrong. Ken did nothing wrong. Twenty seventeen. It's some antivirus thing, which also is just it's the the way they manufacture tension in that scene is she's about to delete all of the viruses she has on her computer, which are a lot. She shouldn't have numerous. That's viruses. it's more than just the ghost she has to worry about the on her computer. The antivirus software that totally looks like a virus. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> 
Ken is the the generic hacker uh, character in this one. Um, he's the he's the Kobe. Of right, but he's not even it. knowledgeable. At least in friend request, because uh, he looks at the code of the websites and it's in some ghost code that keeps moving around. Oh, but with yeah. with Ken, he just oh, I have this antivirus software I can give you. Just run this program and then you'll be fine. But also, like for his age, I feel like that was way more realistic than uh, than Kobe and friend request. Oh yeah. Because it's like, especially with teenagers, it's like, there are people who are tech savvy, but not like hackers, you know? I think that Ken was just more one of those like tech savvy guys. Like, I yeah, I, take me for instance. Like, I know how to torrent things, but like, I'm not a fucking hacker. Let's talk about that jump scare at the end. The oh yeah, Blumhouse okay. trademark oh, jump God. scare. Because every single Blumhouse movie has to have a jump scare at the end yeah, for some Jesus reason. Christ. Yeah. Um, did they did they also produce Paranormal Activity? Yes. Yep. So, yep. Oh my God. Yeah, they've been doing this. For I saw years. Orin Pelly, the director of paranormal activity was like an executive producer on this one really oh really oh, wow. yeah i didn't i didn't notice that but yeah so we find out at the end that uh blair was the one who posted the video of uh of laura shitting herself at the party on facebook and so that's why she killed herself a- after we've been like this, the whole movie she's been deflecting that and saying that it wasn't her so laura's the last one left and uh do you want to explain the jump scare after that ben sure uh so the whole movie is on the computer and right at the end the computer closes and the ghost of lore just jumps out at blair Roll basically credits. roll yeah. credits which is awful and i think yeah, that dumb. i think it would have been cooler if once the video of laura barnes out there on blair's facebook page showing that blair was the one who took it you see everyone on facebook calling her a scumbag that she deserves to die and that it would have been much cooler if she was left there knowing that and then she and that all of her best friends have just been killed you, yeah you could argue living would be worse than death in that or situation. that yeah. And that she would make the conscious decision to to commit suicide, that she would then do what she did to Laura. Leaving it open just doesn't hit you over the head with that. And it's more bleak that way, I, I think. I think so, yes. too. I think that would have um, been much because better. Because she has to live with the guilt as well, so. And also, like, I think this movie's strongest aspect is that it is done entirely from a computer screen. Like, oh, it's yes. being screen shared. Absolutely. Because we know we know what the movie would be without that. And right. It would it be would friend be, request. <laughs> yeah, it, it, yeah, exactly. It would yeah. be friend request. And, like, there's nothing particularly creative about the story itself or even original. You know, it's just some shithead teenagers who cyber bullied a girl to death you know it's the convention of using the screen sharing and having the entire movie take place from that perspective that makes it even semi-effective yeah well i would say that it's you know like kind of a generic mediocre contemporary horror movie just executed on a medium pretty well well that's and that's what makes it pretty good movie i think that's what makes uh it very interesting that uh paranormal activity was also done by by uh by blumhouse that Mm -hmm. that movie really succeeded i mean outside of all of its generic dumb things within it it's because it was in that style of found footage the blair witch project was not the last movie to be a success in that format paranormal activity was i mean maybe even bigger i think they were trying to make lightning strike twice with this sort of format 
and then they want to franchise it as well. So maybe we'll see Unfriended Two oh, in God. a couple of years. Do they really? Do we have to? Why I can't. Does everything have to be a franchise. Yeah, why does it anymore? have to be a franchise? Why can't they just take something successful and be like, "Hey, we've got this cool one-off that works." Like, well, I think know. it happens even more with horror because yeah. they can be so much easier. I mean, Paranormal Activity costs. I mean, I know it's much less than a million dollars that whole movie. Yeah, and- Paranormal Activity is actually, I think, one of the highest ratio movies in terms of budget to return i would believe it like it, i would believe that it was too. shot for like under 400k Even but it made i saw like hundreds of millions of dollars i saw that movie in theaters and i guess i don't know if having a crowd there would have made it better but i was in the theater just with one other friend and so we were completely alone in there and it didn't scare me at all i didn't feel at any point a sort of tension and i wonder if it would have been different if the theater had been crowded i, I definitely know- think an audience helped that movie i saw it with a so. few people that were really scared by horror movies and it made it a little more entertaining and spooky oh I yeah didn't, i didn't see paranormal activity for the first time until like a year or two after it came out and so i just watched it at home i think with this girl that i was trying to get with at the time because you know, <laughs> yeah you watch, as you do as you do you watch the scary movies yeah and i you know i thought it was i thought it was pretty decently effective for what it did paranormal activity is one of the like worst horror franchises in recent history I've seen all of them. We'll have to do an episode on all of them. I'll save save everybody the trouble and say uh, the third one is the best one. Um, It's where they go back to like the 80s or something. uh The The third one's the best one. The first one follows that up. The rest of them are not worth anybody's time. We should probably move on. We've been talking about this for a long time at this point. I'll start. Uh, I actually really enjoyed this movie. This is the second time I saw this. First time I would rate it three and a half. This time I'm on the fence between three and three and a half, but I think I'll go three and a half out of five pods. I thought it was kind of a generic story, but executed very well and very originally on a medium in a way I haven't seen a feature film do. And I I have to give it props for that. So I I agree with you. That's what made it work for me. Like I just said, I don't think I would have enjoyed this movie nearly as much uh, if it had not been on the medium that it was. I'm gonna give it a solid a solid three out of five. It had a lot of problems, uh, some really goofy things, and some mediocre acting. But conceptually, I think it pulled off what it was trying to do well so yeah three from me well for me i was not as big of a fan but i think that this is an enjoyable experience i think certainly much more enjoyable than friend request i feel like the format does leave a lot to be desired they do a lot of interesting things but never really go as far as i think they could have with those ideas and just some of the the characters in it i think they they stray too far into caricatures to you just you never want to make them too cartoonish because then it just feels like all tension is lost so i think i'm gonna have to go with a two and a half on this one so a solid three out of five pods. Solid three out of five. Yep. Okay. All right. Cool. Cool. Works for me. 
Now, we are going to go back into the early 2000s and check out what I think is definitely the worst film that we covered this episode is Fear.com. This came out in 2002, and it's about a serial killer, and then it's also about a website that is possessed by a spirit, and it's one of the most confusing and out-of-place things in the movie, trying to play around with those. If but you go into it, this movie looking for any sort of logic, you're going to have a bad yes, time. It's mostly very just bad time. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and it mainly follows... He's just like a police officer. I don't think he's anything special. Steven Dorff plays the main cop in this. And then... Oh, I always forget her name. But she's she's the love interest in the Truman Show. She plays a health officer? Yeah, she's from the Department of Health. They're called in... Firstly, because there's a woman that they find dead in a bathtub. The boyfriend that's brought in, he's he's all messed up in the face. He's bleeding from the eye. So you can tell something something happened to him as well. They go to check out the body. Steven Dorff, he, he directly touches the body or something. And then when the Department of Health person comes in, she explains that it might be a disease similar to Ebola. Yeah, she's like, oh, yeah, it's Ebola. And they just <laughs> breeze on by that. They don't even they, they don't put on any protective gear. Although in the prison where they put the German boyfriend, they come back. They see that he's killed himself. And then more people from the Department of Health come in hazmat suits. Steven Dorff asks if he should be wearing them, and she says, oh, we're probably all infected at this point. point. If there is Ebola. double Ebola. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, right. What are they going to do, grow stronger? <laughs> that begins the investigation into what happened with them. They find a video camera under the bathtub that shows them going onto a website. They begin to act very strangely. The boyfriend's acting violent, and the last shot we see is the woman in the bathtub before something comes for her, so... What uh, website is this, you think? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and please so tell us. We learn that this site is fear.com.com. <laughs> yeah, spelled out, fear.com. Even the dot is spelled out. D-O-T-O-Com. Because apparently, whoever owned the actual fear, period, com, they did not want to give up the website to this uh, production company because they probably knew that this was going to be a trash movie. So they were left with fear.com.com. And the number Something... of times that we see somebody type that into uh, the address bar in this movie is absurd. And every time it happens, I fucking laughed my ass off. Yeah. And that's, they should have avoided showing it at all costs because, right, because all it does is when you see somebody type fear.com.com it just totally takes you out of it oh god like, i can't so believe funny. i have to talk about this one because this movie just doesn't seem to have much of anything it's in one part supposed to be a ghost story and then about 20 minutes into the film, we're introduced to the serial killer played by Stephen Ray. He comes up to his first victim and shoves a camera, like, right in her face. Says something creepy along the lines of, It's been so long since I've seen the world outside of a lens. You'll be a star, girl. Yeah. yeah we <laughs> we kind of really need to talk about uh, his voice because it's... 
I I feel like they were trying to make him like Jeffrey Dahmer or something. He talks like this through the whole movie. Yeah, oh, he sounds awful. It's so annoying every time you hear him speak. And they give him so much dialogue. He talks so much, and it's always like uh, quasi-metaphysical monologue about the internet or something like that. It's like Hannibal Lecter if he only got a degree in philosophy from a community college. And had a deviated septum. Yes. The whole movie just really seems to be the worst. It is two hours long, and we only got about an hour in. Yeah, we we were struggling to finish up this movie by the end of it all. We should talk about the Stephen Ray character a little bit more. So he talks to this, like, girl who's working in a box office, buying tickets, telling her she'll be a star. I'm making, I'm filming you because I'm making a movie. Come to my creepy abandoned theater. Yeah. Where I can blast Ramside and then chloroform you. Oh, Jesus, right. They they actually play. (laughs) Well, because the the girl and her boyfriend that they find at the beginning are like weird, like German. They're like Ramside Germans. They're they're like like weird, like German. They look like they're super into industrial music. German punks. And I, I made some joke about how they've been listening to too much Ramstein. And then when... Stephen Ray's character actually uh, abducts this chick. They're playing fucking Rammstein over that scene. Don't get me wrong. I love Rammstein. And like the ghost who runs the website, fear.com.com, is like German sometimes, but then not German other times. Now like, here's the, the thing that I may have missed in the movie just because I, I I tuned out at a certain point. But Stephen Ray is the serial killer, and it's supposed to be assumed that the spirit that's running the website is a victim of Stephen Ray's. And Well, yeah, we find that out later. Right. Well, as, as we see, that's, that's part of the... Because all the victims die after 48 hours. It's some game that the computer's asking them to play. And it seems that the game is to try and find Stephen Ray's character in the awful montage of images that that you see when they open up the website, which I'm sure must have been groundbreaking back in the early 2000s, just like I'm sure the Lawnmower Man looked fantastic <laughs> when it came out. Or Tron. Yeah, yeah exactly. State or something like art. Tron. And when you watch Sad, it, dude. it is one of the worst, worst age things I've ever seen of a representation of the internet. You know, that's something good that the Matrix tried to avoid. All they ever really showed was code. They didn't They didn't try and date themselves too awfully. Uh, the the Matrix is still pretty fucking dated. Yeah. The, the, the style of, of cool is very early 2000s. Oh, oh yeah. No, like, it's definitely it's it's a product the, of its, it's time. It's leather. But I think that they, they made a smart choice to not try and... I mean, you have some of the special effects on Agent Smith and whatnot, but that they didn't right. try and go too hard with any of the visual effects. You know, you don't see... Well, the, the, the tentacle creatures things, I guess they are in the first movie too, right? But they don't they don't show up as prominently yeah. as in and they, and they the look, others. I mean, it, it had a budget, so they look okay. Yeah, right. I they mean, we terrible. We can't We can't say that, like... There wasn't good CG in the early 2000s because The Lord of the Rings came out. Oh, yeah. No, it's more just a bad grasp on the technology at the time. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, it looks like they're they're trying to aesthetically make it be like a seven, like David Fincher's movie. Yeah, they do a lot of stuff. They do a lot of... It's like this movie is like The Ring meets seven meets saw 
Even meets though Videodrome meets meets Videodrome, yeah, that's better because Saw actually came out after this. Um, the combination of the serial killer and the supernatural stuff felt super disjointed. Absolutely, yes. oh, yeah. like, absolutely. We don't even figure out what the connection between them is until like the last ten minutes of the yeah. movie. The what it ends up being is that the ghost who runs the Fear dot com website that kills you if you visit it was one of the victims of the serial killer dude so she's been using that to try to find him and get back at him or something which yeah it seems why is she killing people then as well why are they on the time limit there's no motivations whatsoever steven ray's motivation is literally that he can't feel emotions yeah. That's it. Like, we learned that relatively early on. He's like, I can't feel anything anymore. And that's why he kills people. Yeah. It and then Ugh. I have to say the the kills that the spirit did were pretty hilarious though. Cause every time someone was about to die, they'd see that little white girl with white hair chasing a white ball. A white ball who turns out to be the the ghost when she yeah. was little or yeah. something. And like half the time the ball would like melt into becoming cockroaches. Yeah. But the first first kill you see, the dude sees the girl on subway tracks and immediately he just He doesn't even run. Yeah, her. he just walks over to her. And then he realizes the the train's coming and instead of like ducking to the side where there's like five feet of space well he well, does yeah, at he, first he, he <laughs> yeah. does and then for some reason he decides to jump out in front of the yeah. train to try to, to try to get back up on the platform like if he had just stayed up against the wall he would have had so much space yeah there yeah, was so okay. much space because we see his body get thrown to the side and then he's fine he yeah. isn't getting hit by the train there it's just such oh. it, and that was again one of those something so awful and poorly done happens right at the beginning and you know you're in for a bad time yeah. right yeah, at least well, yeah this is the first thing we see and it's like oh god it it sets the tone for this film so yeah. well you at know least that friend request and unfriended had the foresight to be under 90 minutes so, <laughs> yeah, yeah holy shit, shit. this movie is great two fucking hours long it's way too long okay after that train dude we get the the german romstein couple who die and then we get off-brand steve buscemi oh yes right who the... for some reason decides hey i'm gonna go visit a an abandoned steel mill yeah which then... might be construed as he's trying to solve like the mystery from the website but at that point we don't know what he's going there for yeah so and he's just so he, out of place he's the the main chick's boss he works for the department of health that's something that we really need to to talk about is that the fucking Department of Health is investigating a murder website. It it's doesn't make any chain sense. smoker who hotboxes his car before having it driven into a fucking wall. Yeah, yeah, geez, the smoke. Because he gets into his car, he lights a cigarette, and then he looks out the window and he sees the little girl, which causes him to drop it. And then immediately, it's like someone turns on a smoke machine and it starts to fill up yeah. the entire fucking. All of a sudden, his car is super smoky, and then it just drives itself into a wall, and he dies. Also, why would he even start smoking a cig with? 
without rolling his windows down. I guess I feel like that a, shit would just make your car smell immediately. Dirty, dirty yeah. man's who he is. <laughs> yeah. On on that subject, like when he sees little girl, let's talk about how bad the editing is in this movie, where they can't even get down the timing to successfully pull off a jump scare. Ooh man, yeah, like, it's always like a second or two late. Yeah, like our audience knows that we don't like jump scares because they're ineffective, but this movie cannot even pull off a successful jump scare because the the timing is so off it doesn't even actually startle you you can see the moments where there's supposed to be a jump scare like when he looks up and sees the little girl outside his car but the timing is done so badly it's like it doesn't it's not startling at all yeah, a lot of times it's just funny in this movie. It's hilarious. Yeah. For some ungodly reason, Roger Ebert gave this a 2 out of 4 because he felt that the look of it and the style was something to be admired or that it worked well as a nightmare scenario. I just can't believe that at all. I see nothing of that sort. I feel in this I feel film. like it it must be indicative of the time that it came out because I mean, I this is my first time and hopefully only time seeing this movie in 2007. 17, 15 years after it came out. Like, is it possible that it was more effective in 2002? I can't, like... Well, I don't even remember what big horror movies must have come out around that time, so I guess I can't say what the environment must have been like for the horror genre at that point. I can think of Saw that came out the following year. Oh, yeah, yeah. (laughs) A lot of struggle with that. Can we talk about my favorite line in this movie, where uh, they justify the popularity of the website? Oh, yeah. By being like... I was going to bring that up, uh, too. It's all because of the uh, focus on reality disaster shows (laughs) like what is a reality disaster show what the fuck is a reality disaster welcome to extreme home breakover (laughs) Uh, where we break into your house and steal all of your things and throw your family out onto the street crash that bus (laughs) (laughs) and it's just brushed off like they're the the cop is like, oh yeah, it's just everybody's obsession with uh, reality disaster shows, and then they move on to something else. And then uh, when the token hacker character in this movie, because every good movie about the internet has a token hacker character, uh, when she finds the website and starts to go crazy, and she starts writing all over her apartment in binary... <laughs> doesn't make any sense why would she be writing in binary it's efficient for computers but super inefficient for people who you know like no words and shit well again that's just a well-intentioned but misguided attempt at understanding the technology of the time and also how everybody in this movie um when they're told don't go to fear.com.com and then they immediately go to fear.com. Right, it would be... Even after the point where uh, the cop and the health inspector chick have have determined that the website is what's killing people, and then they both go on to the website. It's, it's bad. Can we talk about when uh, they go to the steel mill to investigate? Oh, yeah. 
yeah, the steel mill. Um, so they go to investigate the steel mill because apparently that's where... that's where that's where the little girl used to play as a child. Yeah, oh, that's she right. Goes to, she play. goes to see she goes to see the girl's mom and she shows her pictures. Like, do you recognize this? And the chick's mom's like, Oh, that's the abandoned steel mill down the street. That was her favorite place to play as a little girl. <laughs> Why are you letting your kids play in a fucking abandoned steel mill? <laughs> that's uh, bad parenting. Right that's there. so <laughs> super bad parenting. You know how dangerous abandoned steel mills are? But she goes to this abandoned steel mill and there's just this homeless lady like sitting there with cataracts next to a fire. Yeah, and, and the 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 mill is like full of water. It's like all flooded for some reason. Yeah, we were joking about it being all piss water. Piss water, from, yeah. Uh, from the homeless lady. Because it's like yellow and yeah. the homeless lady just like points at the piss water and the health inspector decides she's just going to go for a swim in the piss water then. Yeah, I mean, it's sterile. Yeah, I don't think so. <laughs> So, yeah, she dives in with her waterproof flashlight. Yeah, that she just sort of has. Yeah, and just kind of explores underwater for a while. Doesn't come up to breathe for a really long time. And then she finds the the body of the the ghost or whatever. Yeah. I don't even know what she does with that information. I think oh. isn't that when she finds out that she was a victim of, of the serial, serial killer? Yeah, yeah, yeah okay. that was part of the reveal. I guess so. Yeah, the it, whole third act was just a mess. Super sloppy. Well, I mean, the whole movie is really sloppy, but uh, but it ends in such a disgusting show of visual effects. <sighs> they finally. They catch Stephen Ray, or they, they they found him, and he's, you know, torturing the girl that he caught in the beginning, and I forget the progression of it. He shoots Stephen Dorff in the chest. Yeah, right in the, right in the heart. He yeah, directly him, like, right in the, heart, in and the it, heart. And it takes him such a long time to die, yeah. whereas he would normally just be dead immediately <laughs> from being shot in the heart, but he's still, like, crawling around for a while and gives time for the health and specter to like cradle his head and in her arms and weep about him getting ready to die right and it's not even that he's the distraction at that point when he shot the serial killer goes after the department of health uh character and he's the one who goes on the computer types in the website and then he opens it and Stephen ray looks at it and then that's when the ghost gets her awful awful vengeance that looks gross it looks like a pile of trash her her cg revenge it's all like sepia tone and And brown and nasty uh, yeah it's like he's getting attacked by like the spirits of all of the women that he's killed but just like in his head because it keeps cutting between that and him in the real world and he's just like bleeding from his eyes this shit's such a fucking mess and the website doesn't make any sense either because it's the ghost chick who i feel the need to mention again is sometimes german and sometimes not always asking do you want to play a game if you say yes there is no game there's not actually ever a game it just shows you a bunch of like quickly cut images and like knocks you out of your chair and then you die in 48 hours like that's that's the game yeah. this is such let's a... just rate this yeah let's rate this with the half a star yeah if i can't rate it zero 
and not recommend it to anybody. There are much better, cheesier films out there. I'm sure you could find about the internet around this time. So I avoid this one. I was very surprised to learn that this was not an Uva Bowl film <laughs> because it, it reminded me of Alone in the Dark a lot uh, in terms of just being insufferably bad. At least Alone in the Dark had those first 10 minutes. That man, first, Yeah, like... that first good 10 minutes of an otherwise absolutely horrible two and a half hour movie. Yeah, yeah. This movie does not have that. No, no it does not. Even. But uh, I'm, I'm going to go with you, Eugene, half a pod. There's no redeemable quality about this movie at all like if we had not been all watching this together and just roasting the shit out of it i would have had a much less enjoyable experience i'm probably gonna go with the same thing you know usually i save half stars for movies that i can barely even consider films i just hate so much like i usually separate half stars for like meet the spartans and shit like that i would barely consider this a film yeah but i i think this kind of falls into that category so i'm gonna give it half yeah half a pod too so half pod pod across the board avoid uh, at all costs yeah avoid like the fucking avoid uh fear.com.com uh, which used to be a, an actual domain name, and I, I guess it's not. You just checked it. Before yeah, I just checked it. Apparently, Eugene. now it is a London escort service that you can call. <laughs> so, wh- awesome. whoever decided to buy it, they must have gotten a great price. I'm sure they probably paid like fifty whole cents uh, for that domain name. Oh yeah, I bet they got paid to take it. <laughs> they had to get it off their hands. Pulse was our next movie. I'll let yes. Matisse take this one. And to clarify, we are talking about the original Japanese version of this film released in 2001, directed by uh, Kiyoshi Kurosawa. No relation to Akira Kurosawa. Yeah, we're not talking about the 2006 American remake. Uh, um, thank God, too. Yeah, that's that's a bad one. I'll I'll just start right off and say that I think this movie is really really great. I've seen it a couple of times now, and I like it more every time I see it. Uh, it's essentially two uh two separate narratives that uh overlap at the end. One is uh, a group of friends who work at this like plant shop. One of their friends commits suicide due to some uh spooky uh, supernatural uh, phenomenon that they end up discovering over time and the other narrative is this uh what was he an economic student college yeah. student kawashima and he uh you know decides to uh give the internet a try so he installs it on his computer because remember having to install the internet by disc guys i do <laughs> Um, he installs uh, the internet on his computer and the first thing he sees is a site asking if he would like to meet a ghost and then he just sees these uh, very creepy images of people just sort of just wandering aimlessly around their houses and one guy who has uh, just a bag over his head and he gets freaked out and like turns off his computer and unplugs it but it keeps coming back on and keeps showing him these images so uh, he develops a sort of uh, romantic relationship with uh, with a professor who uh, teaches computer sciences or something Harue is her name I believe and so they start to investigate this uh, this weird site that seems to make people uh, go into unmanageable depression after they've seen it and then eventually uh, 
they either commit suicide or they just disappear. Yeah, what, what did you guys think about this movie? Because uh, I've seen it before, and I, I want to get your guys' impressions before we go into detail a little bit more. I thought it was good. It was a very slow burn, very cerebral movie. You know, uh, it plays everything very subtly. Kurosawa does that really well. He did uh, Cure, uh, which is another movie that's excellent. I would definitely recommend that one as well. You know, very, very creepy but no jump scares. Yeah, there's um, not a single jump scare in this entire movie. Very visceral in its horror. You know, it's a very philosophical movie. Yeah, uh, I I think this is uh, this movie is much more indicative of the time that it came out than uh, Fear.com is, and it's 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 hard to believe that this movie actually came out a year before Fear.com because every goddamn fucking messy, stupid thing about that movie is done extremely well in this movie, and it's basically uh, making a comment that the internet brings us closer together but at the same time isolates us where you have these relationships with people that you meet online but you never meet in real life and so you're ending up just alone in your house can you explain why the ghosts want to like invade reality because that was really confusing to me that you know was, well, i think they they make one point just that it's sort of the idea that it's been crowded that they're starting to seep into the to the human world. This is one of those things where they never uh, they sort of leave it ambiguous, open to interpretation. We get the one scene where uh, the other uh, one of the other students explains to uh, Kawashima his theory on why there are these ghosts appearing, and it's that the uh, that the afterlife is full, so they're starting to seep into uh, into our world using the internet as like a medium through which to cross over when they see the face of one of these ghosts they essentially lose all their will to live and either just disappear turn to dust or kill themselves that that part kind of confused me i i think honest. it's i i think it's um uh intentionally vague i think that kurosawa is leaving a lot of that open to interpretation which uh which is fine for me I didn't feel like I uh like I really needed too much of an explanation. I was I was pretty content to just buy into it that these ghosts are seeping into reality. And then we also get the idea that just like life is uh extremely lonely and isolatory that death is the same. Death is I think as one of the ghosts says towards the end uh eternal loneliness. And so are they seeping into our reality because they're still trying to make connections that they're so desperate to not be alone anymore that they're turning the living into more ghosts. This is it's an extremely nihilistic movie. It's a lot of dread to it. You know? Yeah, and I I love that too because it's that's really represented in uh, in the aesthetic too, the way it's shot and the way it's lit. It's very gray, but shot well at the same time. Oh, not oh, in the yeah, way yeah. that like Fear.com is. No, no, gray. no, no, no. Like it's intentional, and I think it I think it's really well shot. I thought the cinematography is is really gorgeous, and, and they do use color at key times. Oh like, yeah, uh, you should talk about the red room. Yeah, so. Uh, for and this is something that's never really explained either for some reason sealing off a room 
with red tape keeps the ghosts contained within. So we keep seeing uh, we keep seeing these people uh, taping up the seals of windows and doors and stuff with the red tape. And anytime uh, somebody breaks the seal and goes into that room, they have an encounter with one of the ghosts. Can we talk about like how fucking creepy these ghosts are? Yeah, they're they're very well executed. Extremely well executed. Like I mentioned before, there's not one single jump scare in this entire movie and whenever we see the ghosts like the shots are extremely long and they just move so slowly and get closer and closer to you and you really have time to linger on that and i think it's i think it's very very fucking creepy yeah. well they start off as like ashy stains on walls and on floors yeah whenever anybody kills themselves or whatever they leave behind like this like black uh ashy shadow on the wall or the floor or something yeah. like that that's the first sign of the ghosts there's so much like subtlety in this movie that is what i think makes it really effective everything like all the horror totally comes from the atmosphere and this movie is like a fucking clinic in building creepy atmosphere i think and the really slow pace it takes and the duration of the shots and the stillness there's not a whole lot of like fast cutting everything takes its time and you really just have time to sit with it and like let it sort of seep into you and i think that's why it's so effective it's hard to not see this movie and at the end of it just sort of be left with this like really heavy like sort of existential dread a little bit that i i think takes some some time to wear off what did you guys think of the cgi in the last 10 minutes it was not great. I wouldn't say it was as bad as uh, as in Fear.com. It didn't no. take me out of it nearly as much. And also, it was it was really um, it was it was quick. They didn't they didn't linger with it too much. Like there wasn't much more than just like some cars being on fire and like a plane crashing. Yeah, I thought the plane crash explosion was a little unnecessary. Yeah. Partway through this movie, it becomes sort of like a like a post apocalypse, uh, like a post apocalypse. Yeah, the ghosts kind of start movie. like in mass seeping. Yeah, the ghosts. The real world. People just start, you know, disappearing. Like it's spreading like a virus, and uh, and everybody's just gone at a certain point, and we just have a couple of our main characters left who are just sort of like left to exist alone, which is like the theme of the whole fucking movie is loneliness let's talk about the the sound design in this movie oh man we had the surround sound going yeah and they used the those back channels super super well. duper well like uh there's one uh really creepy scene about halfway through the movie where one of the characters goes into a room and uh just sees the the black stain on the wall and then all of a sudden the sound cuts out completely and you just hear hear somebody whispering help me over and over again uh in japanese of course the whispering is was mixed only into the back channels and it came from right over my shoulder when i was sitting there watching that i i was extremely freaked out to be perfectly honest and they do a lot of a lot of stuff like that in the movie like they really know when to like cut the sound out and you really use silence to their advantage and the music was also fucking awesome yeah the I mean, music was incredible 
Well, Eugene, we haven't heard much from you on the subject of this movie. Give us some of your thoughts. Well, uh, I've been trying to gather my thoughts on it. <laughs> I think, for me, I, I really enjoyed this movie, and I think it's the only movie that I've really seen that plays around with the idea of the internet in a way that doesn't feel cheap or gimmicky or generic, that it is trying to make a point on society and the impact technology has on it. I mean, that this came out at a time when social media really wasn't big. You had chat rooms and stuff, sure. Yeah, you had AIM, AOL. That was about it. Right. That now in this world, we know that the internet can be used for more and that there is a connectivity behind it all, but there is the isolation of not being involved in a, another person's life physically that right. well, you only exist. You can that. you can even, you know, look at it um, from the context of Facebook, like we've been talking about with a lot of these movies. Like, you can have a shitload of Facebook friends, but how many of them do you actually, like, hang out with? in real life, you know? I know that I don't hang out with all my fucking Facebook friends. Like, I hang out with a very small group. Some of that due to distance, but... So, I think this movie is, you know, in in a way, it has a lot of foresight. You are able to connect with people, but at the same time, you can end up being extremely isolated just because you're making all of your connections online. And it's certainly a, uh, a depressing thing, the way this movie has an outlook on it all, that by going into this digital world, by escaping from the physical one, that in a way we become ghosts through that as well, that we lose the humanity that made us what we were. That, I mean, the people you see in those those chat rooms, that they are as good as ghosts, whether that whether they are actually spirits we're seeing or they're just people isolated, lonely people just stuck in their own rooms away from the rest of the world. It's 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 nice to see a movie that came out so long ago and was still covering something so young and can be so prophetic. I think out of all the movies we've watched and talked about, this movie says way more about the internet and the culture of the internet than any of the others oh yes because and, and, they... it's, and it's the o- and it's the oldest one which is significant to yeah. note yeah because they it... show the significance of the internet to people and in those other movies like friend request unfriended they show how they use it but they don't really ever go into detail about what that means compared to people that don't and i think this is a movie that tries to cover that topic and has a lot to say it's aged incredibly well yeah yes it has it does not feel dated the only thing that feels dated about it is like some of the brief uses of cg at the end it unlike feels... fear.com which right you can feel the date behind it you can tell how misguided they were in their understanding it and... feels like things about this movie still ring really true another thing we can briefly talk about is um they sort of use uh, uh they have a metaphor within the movie where uh one of the computer science grad students or something has created this uh, computer program where it's just these little dots on the screen like moving around and if they actually touch each other they both die but if they get too far apart then they're drawn closer together. Yeah, I thought that was a really cool metaphor. I thought that was too. It's not the most subtle but it didn't even really bother me that that it was kind of like in your 
your face. Yeah, sh- let's just uh, let's just jump in and rate this mo- rate this movie. We've been talking about it for a little while. I'll start this time. I'm gonna give this a solid four out of five. I I think this is a really really good movie. And if you don't mind a, a slow burn horror film that has some stuff to say, then this is a movie for you. What do you guys think? This is. I think one of those few movies where I'm left still thinking about the uh, the concept that a lot of horror films, I mean, they're things that you tackle with your everyday life, like grief or, or racism or anything of that sort. But this is certainly one, while dealing with the topic of death, really gets you thinking. And especially with the digital world we live in now, it's something to really ruminate on. It lingers. It's one of those where you begin to feel the depressing parts of the film more so with every moment you think about it, considering the isolation that we all feel. And for me, I think I'm going to have to give it a five out of five. Five out of five. Yeah. That's high praise. I really, uh, I think this is one of the few horror movies that has a lot to say and will, I think, keeps having something to say because of the world we live in. So, sure. I recommend that highly. Um, I would probably give this four pods out of five. I definitely agree that a lot of the philosophical elements and the sense of dread and tone are brilliant in this movie. Some of the best stuff I've seen in any horror movie ever. I think there's a slight lack of narrative clarity at points, which is intentional but you know is a blessing and a curse in a way i think there's some narrative elements that could be expanded on a little bit um and the use of cg kind of dated it a little bit in a bad way for me but those are only minor gripes and the rest of the movie was pretty incredible in my opinion so definitely check it out worth the look all right so that gives pulse uh, an average rating of 4.3 pods so i think that's uh, a good recommendation from all of us so you lost uh last week's game matisse so eugene <laughs> Uh, gave you Megan is Missing to watch. <laughs> what is Megan is Missing? All yeah, because right, uh, we haven't seen it, so... I'm, yeah. <laughs> I'm I'm going to try to keep this brief. I have a lot to say about this movie, but I'm just going to kind of rush through it. Um, so this came out in uh, 2011. Uh, it's written and directed by Michael Goy, who very bizarrely enough is the head of the American Society of Cinematographers. And he's been like one of the primary cinematographers on like all seven seasons of American Horror Story. So and he I think he's a great cinematographer, but the cinematography in this movie is fucking hot garbage and also he clearly cannot write and direct <laughs> um so, so wait, wait, wait. did you like it i, I fucking hated this movie. <laughs> i fucking hated the shit out of this movie it was just so goddamn exploitative in such a bad way but i'll get into that so it's based on uh a true story of two girls who uh were kidnapped by uh an internet predator Uh, And so this is supposed to be sort of like a found footage retelling of that. But it, was that something that actually did happen? The girls went missing, or yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, like it's it is based on a true story. It's just such a boring, sloppy piece of shit <laughs> like there's zero tension in this movie until the very end. And trust me, I'll get into the end. But everything up until that feels like something that when you're in, like, middle school, 
they would show you at either an assembly or in class to try to convince you to not talk to strangers on the World Wide Web. It's all done from, uh, you know, webcams and uh, one girl's camcorder and then the, the phone cameras that they have. But it takes place in 2007, so everybody's using a Razor. Oh, guys, no. Guys, guys remember Razors? Oh, fuck um, yeah. But so we're supposed to believe that these are from the phone cameras, but I don't know about y'all, but do y'all remember how fucking bad those cameras were on those flip phones? <laughs> and they don't look like that in this movie. Like, it, it's obvious that they just shot it with like a regular film camera. Um, but so it's about two friends, Megan and Amy, both uh, 14 years old. Amy is like the unpopular one uh, who is has been best friends with Megan since she was a little girl. Uh, Megan is the super popular one who has a shitload of friends, but obviously uh, is is troubled. There's a reason why they call it Megan is missing and not Amy is missing. <laughs> right. Well, they both go missing, but Megan goes missing first um because she meets some dude online that's like referred to her by one of her friends yeah that's the one thing i want to know i want to know what their take is on the internet and well i mean obviously it's uh it's just like to catch a predator like if you have teenagers don't let them talk to weird <laughs> to weird dudes online they they're... they all use weird chat rooms yeah basically um and <sighs> Man, this is this is yet another one that feels like it was written by somebody who doesn't understand uh, teenagers um, because there's lots of like really just weird jilted dialogue. I wrote some some of my favorites down. Megan's making fun of Amy and she says virgins don't know how to wear makeup. Oh. Um, and then, cause, because Megan is like this super sexually promiscuous character while Amy is like the opposite, like never had sex or anything prudish, but these are fucking 14 year old girls, dude, these are 14 year old girls. And at one point Megan's like, people will stop making fun of you once you lose your virginity, just fuck some guy already and get it over (laughs) with. (laughs) Uh, that's a direct quote. Was this written by Michael Goy? It was. Well? It oh, was. Geez. Yeah, written and directed. Um, and edited, too, right? And edited, but not cinematography by. Oh, man. Um, e- even though he's a cinematographer. Um, he was trying to play to his weaknesses. And think- this is this is another one of those things where, like, all the characters are supposed to be, like, 13 or 14, but they come across more as, like, uh, people in their 20s except for amy she's the only one who's like convincingly like seems to be a child and at the beginning we have this uh this party scene where like just a bunch of 13 and 14 year olds are like partying and drinking and doing drugs in an obviously abandoned house with a uh, public domain metal music playing in the background and just the host is just this super sleazy guy like he's charging a 10 dollar cover for people to get in and if girls don't have it, they have to, like, suck his dick to get in. And these are... I feel the need to reiterate that these are children. These yeah, are God. children. And, like, I understand that, like, it's the age of puberty, you know, and, like, there's a lot of sexual discovery going on. But most of this movie is about, like, kids banging each other. Yeah. 
And it's... Is it like a Skittles party where they have like a bunch of different <laughs> no, pills? No, no, it's, a... it's not. And then we... And then at another point, Megan and Amy are talking to each other uh, like over webcams. And Megan goes on this seriously almost a 10-minute story about the first time she gave a blowjob when she was 10 years old to a 17-year-old at camp. Oh, and like oh, geez. really yeah. going into... To detail and Amy just like ha 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 that's so funny was his dick big like like these are fucking kids fucking oh, man fucking stop it I was sorry I, <laughs> this movie exasperated me oh my god it, I do you think so, the director dude is like some sort of creepy uncle uh that hmm, you know I I couldn't help but get that impression um yeah and but it's like all the dialogue's bad the acting is bad it's shot super boring there's way too much like sexuality for like these little kids like we find out midway through that the reason Megan is so promiscuous is because her stepdad started like raping her at age 9 and did uh who was the director again uh michael goy do you think michael goy like worked with Corey feldman or brian singer at any point <laughs> that's a great question i um... i wouldn't be surprised and so yeah like midway through the movie megan starts talking to this uh dude online and those sequences are are really boring because it's all from the perspective of her webcam just her looking into it and talking and you can hear his voice um and it's all just like really weird shit like uh she's like oh i saw your picture you look you look kind of like matt damon and he's like oh well i bet matt damon can't skateboard as good as i can <laughs> uh, <laughs> no way <laughs> no i'm 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 fucking i'm fucking dead serious that's incredible uh, and Holy then shit. so they like they arrange to uh, uh, meet up and then Megan disappears uh, because obviously he's a, a child predator posing as a teenager online. Um, this is very to catch a predator esque. And then so it's with the the movie switches to Amy's perspective and she's like trying to find Megan, but for some reason all of Megan's friends blame Amy for her disappearance. And I could not ever figure out why that is. There's one part where she's like out looking for her and Megan's friends like accost her and start screaming and crying at her about how it's her fault that Megan is gone. It's like, why? Because she's not getting uh, raped by 17-year-old boys? Yeah. This movie sounds... And there's, like, I'm bad... glad I chose it. <laughs> and there's like, these bad like news segments about like the search for her. And then at some point, Amy herself goes missing. How does um, she get... Does she like talk to anyone on the internet or does uh, she just get kidnapped? Yeah, yeah. Because uh, the, the dude hits her up. And at first tries to play it off as like, oh, yeah, Megan just never showed up for our date. But then he starts, like, threatening her and being like, you're fat. Nobody's, even though she's not fat at all. Like, you're fat. Nobody's ever going to fuck you because you're too fat. And it's like, this is a fucking 13-year-old girl. that He's like, if you if you keep talking to the police, then I'm going to, like, kill your family or whatever. Jeez. And then so he kidnaps her at at some point and there's also they also do this really terrible like tv reenactment of megan being kidnapped 
based on like security footage. It's like, I don't know why they even felt it necessary to put that in the movie because we already saw the security footage of her being kidnapped. They didn't need to do the reenactment as well. Yeah, that's besides the point. Uh, the last thing is I got to talk about the last 20 minutes of this movie because that's when it changes tone entirely. And everything that's like bad and boring about it just takes a hard right turn. The last 20 minutes is supposedly, as they say, the uh, the unedited final 20 minutes of uh, Amy's video camera that has been like found because she was walking around recording herself trying to find Megan. This last part was so gross and so exploitative and just so absolutely repulsive for no reason other than to to be exploitative. Uh, in this last 20 minutes, we first see Amy being kept in like a dungeon basement style thing uh, and forced to eat from a dog bowl without using her hands while she cries and begs for her teddy bear. What the um, fuck? Yeah. And then after that uh, is a very lengthy rape scene. Where, oh, no. where where he rapes her that just goes on for way way too long and i i know i've reiterated it more than once but this is a child and there's like a there's like 10 minutes of him like raping her jesus christ yeah and then after that he puts her into uh like one of those big blue like waste disposal barrels and the last thing we see is probably another 10 minutes of him digging a hole in the woods while we hear her crying and begging for her life from inside this barrel and then he throws the barrel in and we hear her scream slowly covered up as he puts dirt on top of the barrel and then walks away and then that's that's the end of it and then as the credits roll we see like an old video of like Megan and Amy being friends and there's just no reason to show any of that and it sounds like Michael Goy has some <laughs> personal uh, yeah, issues, Yeah, like, man. this is, no. I'm all for separating art from artists, but, uh, Yeah, like, this is, this is just... When you specifically write child rape into your movie... Yeah. Well, I think the big question I have is, does anything work in the movie? No. Nothing. 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 Not even the, the scary message that you meet creeps on the internet. I mean, I guess so, but we all know that already, you know? This movie, so it's not done this movie, this movie came out in 2011. Like, we've all been aware of To Catch a Predator since, like, the early to mid-2000s. Like, we already know. Like, as kids, I don't know about you guys in school, but they always made us go to assemblies and stuff about not talking to creeps on the internet. Like, <laughs> Stranger we danger. Up. Stranger danger, shit like that. Like, it's trying to, t to give a message that we already are well aware of. I feel like it does that last 20 minutes to try to like hammer the point home, but it's like we know horrible shit happens to people and to kids and stuff. It's like why why do we need to see that? It feels like it's it's supposed to like trying to be shocking and it is shocking and it's it's fucking gross, but it doesn't it doesn't do anything other than to simply disgust. It's like the first hour and 10 minutes of this movie is boring after school specially, bad acting, bad writing, and then the last 20 minutes is just gross exploitation. And um, I'm going to give this movie, uh, if I could give it zero, I would, but otherwise I'm going to give it the same as uh, Fear.com, fucking half a pod. Fuck this movie. I, I have no desire to ever see this movie again, ever.
All right. Well, I hope it did teach you a lesson, even if the movie didn't. Don't don't fuck with me. I will. Don't I, lose the game. Yeah. Right. I, I just, <laughs> yeah. I just kept hoping that uh, Chris Hansen would show up and save the day at some point. <laughs> I'm Chris Hansen. Oh, boy. Well, I'm glad it was an experience for you. Uh, all right. To watch this well, let's jump also. into the uh, the awards for the week. So, all right. Uh, most entertaining movie of the bunch. What do you guys think? My vote? Uh, personally, as bad as the movie was, I kind of got to go with Friend Request. Really? Okay. It was, it was the most fun to heckle. No, that is true. That is definitely true. It was, I mean, even more so than Unfriended, there was so much more to just yeah. talk shit about and trash. But you, but unless you're watching it with some friends, like, otherwise it's not entertaining at all so i'm gonna i'm gonna go with pulse well i'm gonna have to say unfriended i think just out of all the others that provided a good enough pace to be entertaining just to see all the characters die certainly for all of its issues it uh it oh. understood what it was well enough to keep it contained friend yeah. request was pretty fun so too. pretty even split uh so i guess we could say not fear.com definitely not oh no that was that was the worst <laughs> that was the worst. how about uh scariest i think this will be a pretty easy yeah. one pulse? I think pulse yeah pulse yeah, yeah. pulse is the only truly scary one hands down really. hands yes. down best scene this is a tough one man i'm uh i'm also also, again, gonna say Pulse. I'm gonna say the uh, the scene at the end where um, fucking oh shit, I've already forgotten his name again. It uh, uh, Kawashima. Kawashima. Yeah. When Kawashima uh, finally meets one of these ghosts face to face, I thought that scene was very creepy. Fuck, it's those goddamn birds again. Right on cue. Right on cue. It's like every day around five o'clock. But yeah, I'm gonna say the I'm gonna say the scene where uh where Kawashima meets the ghost at the end of Pulse. Eugene? Well, I'm actually gonna go for more of a entertaining because I didn't find any of the movies. I mean, Pulse is 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 a really good horror movie, but maybe not in terms of like scares or any individual scenes. So I'm just gonna have to say Fear.com's final ten minute when Stephen Ray is getting attacked by the ghost because that's just a oh, such a visual eyesore. And it's so ridiculous that I that, was just that, sort of that, left in awe. That it's the best scene out of all the movies we watched? Well, I think, again, uh, if I'm talking just about what I found to be the most entertaining, I think I'd have to say that. I think with Pulse, all right. I'm not sure if there are any scenes as a whole that really, really I found very gripping. But as a, like in total, I thought the movie was good. But Fear.com, that final scene was... Uh, the the one that really just it it gave me a reaction so i think i'm going to have to say that all right if there's any scene to watch in fear.com it's that scene the tough one man uh i'm going to have to go the five finger game in unfriended that whole sequence was very entertaining <laughs> just to see how awful each one of them are okay right. so uh best use of the internet i think that's uh also Friend request. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's a consensus. Pulse. 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 Yeah, yeah, Pulse. I think even 
even with the fact that it in the early 2000s and so what they do in the the movie with the internet is very dated but still has more to say than any of these other movies combined yeah well that's the interesting thing because uh unfriended does a really good job at that but uh it's on more of an esoteric level yeah uh and then finally best overall film i think we're probably all in agreement that it's yeah, Pulse. 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 Okay. Yeah. I, I literally said Pulse for every single one of these. <laughs> <laughs> I, I love that. Well, I mean, oh, it's good. In comparison, it's, really it's a masterpiece. All right. Uh, yeah, so that should bring us to the end of our awards for this one. Uh, ben, do you want to explain the rules of this week's game? Oh, boy. All right. I'm going to put myself in the place of a non-creepy Hollywood executive okay. and <laughs> give you guys the task of pitching me an internet-based horror movie, right? So I have three different colored cards in front of both of you. Uh, we have green cards. They each have a website of some sort written on them. The yellow cards have an actor and actress that need to be featured in the movie. And then we have three uh, sacks of orange cards. Uh, one's labeled one, two, and three. And the numbers... Uh, are the difficulty of how hard they are to integrate. But they all have something, some sort of gimmick or obstruction that you have to add to it. Each of you uh, take one green card, one yellow card, and uh, pick any three of the orange cards. Uh, the orange cards will be bonus points, so there is incentive to take bigger like three cards or two cards they will be more difficult to integrate but uh they will be point uh bonus points if you use them well gonna take one um middle yeah you can take any combination of one two and three all right i've taken one of each okay um so i'm gonna give you guys five minutes to think about uh what this horror movie is going to be about and then each of you will have five minutes uh to pitch me this idea and uh i will rate it out of 10 and then if you integrate the concepts i will give bonus points for those what criteria are your ratings based on are you looking for the funniest the best sounding movie that you would actually want to see or what Sure, it's going to be a combination of most entertaining pitch, pitch that I could most see as a movie, and best use of all of the uh, cards. Okay, all right, when does our time start? Okay, so I will set a timer for five minutes and we'll come back. Ooh, okay, all right, all right, all right. All right, we begin now. And we're back. So I gave both of them uh, about eight minutes to formulate a pitch. Um, took us a little longer than yeah. we anticipated. Yes, yeah, so yeah. this is tough. I mean, it's we're trying a, to make a good movie here. So. It, it's tricky. Hollywood is a is a tough field. Okay, so uh, since Matisse lost the last game, I'm going to flip a coin, and Matisse can call it. If he gets it, he can choose if he wants to go first or second. If he loses, Eugene gets that choice. All right, so heads or tails? Heads. That was the worst flip of all time. <laughs> it's also uh, heads. So do you right. want to go first or second? I'm going to go second. I'm going to let Eugene Ooh, go first. All right. Okay. All right. So I'm going to put five minutes on the clock, Eugene. And begin. Okay, Mr. Producer. I'm going to give you the newest hot franchise to hit theaters. 
in the third quarter of 2018, and it is called Bored to Death, like a message board. <laughs> a message board moderator played by Kevin James, named Anthony Message, suspects that his wife's killer has begun to stalk his board, leaving cryptic clues that might cause him to capture his, his, his wife's murderer. Our revolutionary film does not show a computer once. Not once. Instead, the people that he is communicating with on the message board appear in his room physically as if they were there actually talking to him. And it's going to be Adam Sandler, who plays his best friend on the board that understands him the most. And then Rob Schneider is going to play the, the demonic presence that begins to leave these cryptic messages. And this is a board he created to get over the grief of his wife. And so the people that he meets on there are also equally grieving. And as his killer begins to make a bigger presence on the board, the people that he connects with also begin to disappear or begin to act weird as if someone is targeting them as well. He begins to lose all of his friends to this murderer and it starts to drive him crazy. Rob Schneider hangs on his back at every turn, even when he's not at his desk. And soon enough, he goes on the hunt to try and track him down. And it brings him to an abandoned steel mill. And, <laughs> <laughs> and within this mill, he finds a door that is blocked off from the rest of it. It looks much nicer. And he opens it. And as he walks inside, there is a glow from a computer screen. And as he gets closer, he realizes that he was the one leaving those messages and that he was the one who murdered his wife and that he created this split personality to try and get away from the grief and awful, terrible things that he did. And then he is face to face with Rob Schneider at the end. And then they do a thing where they put their hands together and then begin. And then it's just Kevin James doing this putting both of his hands together to show that he's formed and finally understood his vicious serial killer side. And then he sits down at the computer and begins a new board for all the grieving people that lost their family members in the original message board. And so then he can go back to these grieving men and start his killing once more. So it's cyclical. Yes, it's very <laughs> cyclical. And it is the start of a new horror franchise. <laughs> so so uh, that was pretty good. Uh, can you uh, tell us what cards you got? I got Never Shows a Computer, which that was a tough one to pick up. I got Message Boards. I got Kevin James as the actor. Start of a new horror franchise and Serial Killer. So, All right. Yeah, that was well, a toughie for me to do. Um, I'm going to have to give it a solid 6 out of 10. All right. I thought it was pretty solid. I thought... You used all of your cards pretty well. The movie sounds pretty bad, not gonna lie. It sounds, <laughs> yeah. all right, all right. Uh, it sounds like a hot mess, but a hot <laughs> mess I would probably end up seeing. Uh, Fantastic. Because I'd be forced to uh, on the show uh, so, against my will. Um, and you took three, uh, three I cards. I took two three-point cards and one, one so point. So that's uh, seven points. I did have to knock off... Uh, a point. I was gonna give you a seven out of ten, but you did feature a computer. Mm. Um, it was, you know, it, you didn't show him using it necessarily, but it was still there, so right. I had to knock a point off. Right. But overall, I'll I'll say a six out of ten. So six plus seven—that's right, well, thirteen total. It's a three-pointer, so is it? 
I'll, I'll give you points because you utilize the idea for the most part okay, with them cool. being physically in the room. All I right. think you could have expanded on that a little bit, but 13 points to Eugene. Um, let me uh, restart the clock whenever you're ready, Matisse. All right. So I'm going to pitch you the next hot horror movie of the Halloween season. It's got thrills. It's got chills. And it's called Shock Mail. <laughs> and Shock Mail stars Adrian Brody as a computer sciences professor who starts receiving emails from dead historical figures. Ooh. <laughs> this takes place entirely from his computer, uh, unfriended style. <laughs> and we only know it's Adrian Brody because we hear his voice. He's, uh, he's thinking out loud throughout the entire movie. It's very freeform. So he starts receiving emails from dead historical figures. Seems innocent enough. So far, you know, he's just talking with people like, oh, you know, Martin Luther King Jr., Gandhi, the classics, maybe even Hitler. We don't know. We'll see. You have to go to the movie to find out. But then he starts getting emails from dead serial killers. We've got all the classics. John Wayne Gacy, Jeffrey Dahmer, Ted Bundy, Ed Gein, and all of a sudden his friends and family start showing up dead, each killed by the modus operandi of one of the serial killers who's been emailing Adrian Brody. The police suspect Adrian Brody, but they don't have enough evidence to put him away. So this goes on for a while, and then we find out the twist. Adrian Brody is schizophrenic, and he's been emailing himself from accounts that he's been setting up. <laughs> And he has indeed been killing his own friends and family this entire time. Every single dead historical figure that he's been getting an email from is just a different personality. This fall, when you've got mail, things go off the rail. Oh, shit. Oh! That's pretty fucking good right there, damn. Oh, man, okay. So, uh, tell me what your cards were. Okay, so uh, the first one I got was uh, Hotmail for the website. Sure. So that's the platform he's emailing on. Uh, Adrian Brody for my actor, obviously. And then my, uh, my three other ones where I had to have a twist ending. It had to all be from the computer, and it had to have a rhyming tagline. All right, well... I'm going to have to say that was really pretty good. That was, was really good. Yeah, not even uh, <laughs> That was a great use of a rhyme for the tagline. I, I really appreciated that. That was the hardest part. Uh, yeah. No, that was a difficult one. Uh, very franchisable. You got all these yeah. uh, historical figures and stuff. Uh, we'll yeah, because gonna... they're all Adrian Brody. I'm going to have to give that in eight. Out of ten. And you had, what, six points for the cards? Yeah, so I had you, one of that, each. That puts you at 14. Just one above. I, ah, I, I guess uh, you get to assign the movie. So it has to be Halloween related, but it can be any of the Halloween movies. Um, I'm going to say you got to watch uh, Halloween 3. Uh, which is what season? Season, season of the witch. Season of the witch. Okay, yeah, you, you're gonna have to talk about uh, Halloween three next time. Uh, uh, I've actually uh, heard 
okay things about Halloween 3. You might like it. Maybe. You never know. I've never seen Halloween 3. All I know is that it's the one film of the franchise that has nothing nothing to do with Michael Myers. Well, honestly, after... After making you watch Megan is Missing, I'm I'm getting a better deal out of this whole thing. So <laughs> Probably. I, I, I will be happy easy. with it. So that takes us uh, to the end of our show. Um, we will be actually releasing an episode next week as well. Um, or is it the week after? We're it doing, might be two weeks. <laughs> it's, not, it's not a full two weeks from when this episode will be released because we will be releasing an episode on Halloween Day. And uh, we'll be breaking from our format a little bit to uh, be talking about uh, John Carpenter's classic Halloween and the Rob Zombie remake. That will be the theme of next episode. Spooktober special. Spooktober special. So be expecting that on Halloween. Be ready to pause Stranger Things for about two hours to listen to us rant on about these two okay movies and then you can go back to uh watching stranger things because that's what we'll all be doing too oh yes yeah no i'm sure we'll be all checking it out i still haven't seen all of season one so at least i got a little Get bit of time left up you got like less than two weeks Get- eh, i mean it really wasn't it wasn't grabbing me as much as other people but i i understand that it's supposed to be pretty good so i'm gonna give it another shot yeah you definitely it. should Thank you so much for listening to this episode. Uh, last week, we or two weeks ago, we talked about um, you know trying to get onto some other platforms, and we're excited to announce that we are not only on SoundCloud now, but also uh, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, um, Stitcher, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts. I already said that one. Oh, TuneIn. We're on Apple Podcasts. We're Google Play. Yeah, Stitcher, 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 SoundCloud. We're on the, um, the Apple Podcast Store. We're on the Apple Podcast uh, Store. We're um, on. Uh, we're, well, we're on SoundCloud now. We're too. online. We're also on Google Play. We're on the internet. Ooh, yes. So uh, be careful. Yeah. So at the moment, we're you can find us just about uh, anywhere you listen to podcasts, except Spotify. Coming soon. Coming soon to Spotify. Uh, if you like the show, be sure to leave us a five-star rating and a brief review. Um, that'll really help us uh, pick up some steam and attract some more uh, some more fans. You can follow us on Facebook and Twitter at uh, PodPeoplePod uh, for both of those. And we're also on Letterboxd as well. Just search for Pod People Podcast on Letterboxd where we... Uh, haven't really set it up much, but we'll be uh, linking to the episodes and le- opening up logging. a place for discussion. Opening yes. up a place for discussion, logging uh, the films we watch for the show with our ratings. That's where you can find our ratings. Um, yes, and be sure to leave any comment that you may have because we are always looking for feedback, and we would love it if we could just hear what you guys have to think. Yeah, we'd love show. we'd love to get some uh, engagement with the horror community, so... Uh, you know, yeah, unless you up. unless you got some nothing good to say, then you can fuck off and stop listening. Even if you have something bad to say, I still want to hear well, it. I don't want to hear it. You're being a meanie, so don't talk to me. I want <laughs> I want you to berate me on social media, please. No rude boys allowed. Only rude boys allowed. <laughs> 
Well, um, okay, if uh, you have any uh, complaints or concerns, uh, you can contact uh, Mr. Van Awesome on, on Twitter. Twitter. Yeah, at me. Uh, tell me I'm scum. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and I'm uh, Mr. Sheets on Twitter, at Mr. Sheets with a Z. And I still don't have an official Twitter, but if you want to listen to haikus for the modern age, you can check out Strictly Haiku on Twitter. So, and we also we also want to uh, give a shout out to our own Ben Sheets, who uh, is the composer behind our entrance music. Which Damn is right. uh, yeah, great. Check him out on SoundCloud, Bandcamp, Spotify. Eaten by nostalgia. Drop that plug. You can't see it, but I'm uh, bowing right now. Yeah, <laughs> you know, the is. crazy thing is, is he's not even bow. bowing. <laughs> he just said it. He <laughs> knows this is a visual medium. He doesn't need to do anything. Uh, uh, all right. I think fuck. that about wraps everything up. I'm Matisse Van Rossum. I'm Ben Sheets. And I'm Eugene Lundin. And we'll uh, be back to spook you next time. Yeah, thank you for listening. Bye! Bye! Bye. Woo!